I'm asking all of my listeners, my proud supporters of our courageous men and women in blue to join me and express your unwavering appreciation for law enforcement. Pin Blue Line USA has stylish apparel, great accessories that make a statement and flags that fly with pride. They've got everything you need to show your support for law enforcement. Go to ThinBlueLineUSA.com and shop a wide selection of products to show up your patriotism. Use code SID and get 15% off. Stand with me, Sid, and stand with WABC as we honor those who protect and serve. ThinBlueLineUSA.com. Once again, use the code word SID. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC New York and 1071 WLIRFM Hampton Bays. 77 WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. Breaking news of a physical altercation on Capitol Hill. Republican Congressman Tim Burchett is accusing former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy of elbowing him in the back at the House meeting. Burchett tells ABC News he's certain it was intentional. Out of the 535 members of Congress, 99.66% pretty much behaved themselves on Tuesday. They attended hearings, answered constituent inquiries, kept their hands to themselves. Not all did that, though. In the Senate, Republican Mark Wayne Mullen of Oklahoma challenged the Teamsters president to a fight. He objected to a five-month-old tweet in which the labor leader characterized the senator's behavior in previous hearings as a, quote, tough guy act for show. In the House, Speaker Johnson said it's a pressure cooker. It is. He was able to pass a bill Tuesday to keep the government funded, but did it with Democratic help, a move that caused his predecessor his job. It was clear some of the pressure from that episode back a month ago was still left over. Mayor Eric Adams offered his most extensive public comments yet since the FBI seized his electronic devices last week. His chief counsel insists there is no indication the mayor is a target of a federal campaign finance investigation. But our sources say the feds are investigating whether Adams' campaign received illegal donations from the Turkish government in return for political favors. We don't do uh, the uh, straw donors, and a lot of people don't know what that means, uh, but we don't do the straw donors. Uh, uh, we don't, uh, you know, do quid pro quo. We follow the law. I'm very clear on that. I've stated it from my days in the police department uh, to my days of state senator to my days of our president and as the mayor. Israel says that its military has entered a hospital in Gaza where they believe Hamas is operating. The U.N. Security Council says it is working on new humanitarian pauses resolutions, but that doesn't mention a ceasefire. The IDF says it gave a 12-hour warning that all military activities have to stop in the Al-Shifa hospital. They're saying they are targeting a specific area of the hospital, but there are likely thousands of civilians in the large complex. The Israel Defense Forces surrounded the Al-Shifa hospital before moving in and launching its ground operation. The IDF claims it's designed to defeat Hamas and perhaps rescue hostages. The U.S. backs up Israeli assertions that there's a command and control position below the hospital, but many doctors and patients are left inside and caught in the middle. There is now a possible deal in the works to release hostages. This is the youngest American captive, three-year-old Abigail Don from Arizona. Hamas floated the idea of releasing up to 70 women and children in exchange for a five-day halt to hostilities. President Biden thinks something can be worked out. I believe it's going to happen, but I don't want to get into detail. What's your message for the families? Hang in there. We're coming. 
on my way to the rally in D.C. Thank God us Jews control the weather because it is beautiful out. The massive pro-Israel rally was held in Washington, D.C. The images coming in from the National Mall, tens of thousands of people taking part in the March for Israel, a show of solidarity and support for Israel and for the Israeli people following the October 7th Hamas terror attack. Groups demanding an end to anti-Semitic attacks across the U.S. and calling for the release of the hostages. Police on high alert given the tensions in this country as well. And in Israel, the families of hostages held by Hamas beginning a five-day march from Tel Aviv to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's office in Jerusalem, demanding he do more to bring the hostages home. I said, um, my name's Sam, I'm originally from Ohio. Um, I just wanted to say thank you for all the support that you're giving Israel. I know it's tough times, we all see what's going on in New York and the rest of the world, and it uh, just means more than you can imagine for all the things you're doing here, and we really thank you. I know you're from New York, but OH, love you, thank you so much. Maybe Lou Rufino, one of the most underrated U2 songs ever. You can keep this going. U2, of course, right there with Bruce Springsteen, my favorite musical act. I've seen him in concert now close to 25 times. No one talks about this one, but it is a great, great song. This is U2, Red Hill, Mining Town. You know, if I see one more of these local news places say that there were tens of thousands of folks in Washington, D.C. yesterday, how about telling the truth, which is there were hundreds of thousands of folks. What do you mean tens of thousands? That sounds like 50,000, 60,000, 70,000. How about hundreds of of thousands, nearly 300,000 showed up in D.C. yesterday.
last weekend, 100,000 in Paris. Yesterday, 300,000 in D.C. A pro-Palestine. How does your little bitch 5,000 parade look like now in Bay Ridge, bitches? How does that look now? 400,000, nearly a half a million people between Paris and Washington, D.C. Don't you tell me the Jews aren't fighting back, Curtis. You can have your 5,000 in Bay Ridge, your 1,800 crossing the Manhattan Bridge and Brooklyn Bridge. You can have it. If you weren't emotional yesterday watching that parade, well, you wouldn't watch it if you're a Jew hater anyway. But if you don't hate the Jews and you didn't get emotional yesterday, you're an animal. There's no way you couldn't. It was just unbelievable. Now, look, there were parts that annoyed the hell out of me. Every time a politician spoke, even Herzog, and thanked Joe Biden, I actually left the room. I swear to God, I can't stand Joe Biden. And now Joe Biden puts himself in a pretty tough situation because he said yesterday, and this is his quote, not my quote, deal to release the hostages is, quote, going to happen. And all I can say is, from Joe Biden's mouth to God's ears, he better be right. He is cocksure this is going to happen. And Israel's taking a five-day pause, and everybody seems to be moving towards these hostages are coming home. Even the families have said the last day or so they are relieved and happy. So the message coming from Biden and the White House is they're coming home. The message from Israel is we're in some Fakakta hospital in Gaza trying not to kill everybody to wipe out Hamas. I'm not hearing that from Benjamin Netanyahu, but I'm hearing it from Joe Biden. But one of the reasons why I can't stand Joe Biden is 300,000 people in Washington, D.C. yesterday to fight for the Jews. Guess who wasn't there? Noam, you've got one guess. It would be Joe Biden. Now, why wouldn't Joe Biden be there? The, 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 the mother effer is literally right down the block. No, I don't know. I mean, it, you don't know. It'd be an easy ride, right? Just you don't, well, you know, you know, all right. Because he doesn't really care. He doesn't care. He may get the hostages out. He may, because America still possesses a tremendous amount of power. Even with a feckless creep like him, we still possess a tremendous amount of power. Nobody wants to f with us. Transgenders, gays, it doesn't matter. Nobody wants to mess with us. That's a that's a fact. So he may get him out. But not because he's losing sleep at night, this creep. Why wasn't he there? Where the hell was his uh, vice president? Well, I just got, where was... What, 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 what was she doing not yesterday? Even, not even her. She does nothing. <laughs> nothing. She does nothing. <laughs> Here we got 300,000 people and the president and the vice president nowhere near the place. In fact, you know who made that point yesterday on Fox News? Tulsi Gabbard. Let's play it, Lewis. Tulsi Gabbard, cut number Fifteen People are pouring in from all across the country to take this very important stand against anti-Semitism and against the Hamas terrorist Islamist groups that, it, that are vowing to exterminate not only the Jews, but sending this call to action to people around the world to go after and destroy and kill anyone who doesn't adhere to their radical interp- interpretation of Islam. I got to tell you, there's a there's a very loud absence, though, in knowing that 
President Biden and Vice President Harris are literally just down the street as people are traveling here from all over the country, yet they don't feel it's important enough to come and stand with our fellow Americans to send this strong and resounding message at a time when anti-Semitic attacks around the world are at their height, that we will not allow it to continue, that we stand with Israel and the Jewish people. Getting back to Biden though for a second, as Tulsi Gabbard takes a very deserved shot at the president and the vice president, getting back to the hostage talk. I guess the deal is, Noam, that um, five-day pause equals 70 hostages. That's about one quarter of the hostages they've got. But is that the deal, 70? You know, we don't know, because he's the only one who's mentioned it. Uh, When Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's been asked about it, he's specifically said, I'm not going to talk about it, essentially worried that he might ruin whatever deal they're working on. Biden doesn't care. Here he is yesterday at the White House, again, a couple of feet away from the march. He couldn't make it, but he was talking about this potential deal to bring the hostages home, telling the families, hang on, we're coming. Joe Biden, cut number four. I believe it's going to happen, but I don't want to get into detail. What's your message for the families? Hang in there. We're coming. I don't know about you guys, but when I think about the great Jews across this country, first two guys that come to mind for me are Van Jones and Hakeem Jeffries. You? (laughs) (laughs) See, that's where this, this rally lost me a bit yesterday. Chuck Schumer... You know, Herzog is a great man. I get it. You know, they got to thank the United States. Kind of like when I yelled at the Israeli consulate at that dinner with uh, John and Margot a couple of weeks ago at the rabbi dinner. And Rabbi Potashnik basically told me to shut up. Uh, well, should, should come to the back. They told me to leave. But, uh, look, I know they need the United States. They need the money. They need the support. I get all that. So they bend over backwards to appease this president who, again, couldn't care less. But uh, Van Jones was there, Hakeem Jeffries was there, he was there, and they all said all the right things. Here is uh, Van Jones. This uh, Lewis is cut number 16. He stands with Israel. Uh, Horrific acts of hatred against Jewish people. The FBI says it's been unprecedented. Uh, 400% increase just in the past three weeks. Uh, If you don't know that, It's because your social media algorithm is not telling you that. And you might want to ask yourself why. But once you know, once you know, you cannot be silent. I don't want to be silent because the Jewish community, the Jewish community stood with the civil rights movement. Let me come back to that. See that? Walking arm in arm. Yeah. Facing death. Oh, shut up. See, you got to come back to that. It's got to be about the blacks. They stood with the civil rights. It ain't about the blacks yesterday, my friend. <laughs> Sorry, Van. Hakeem Jeffries spoke, too. He also talked about standing with Israel. Hakeem Jeffries cut number six. We stand together with the Jewish community in Israel. We stand together with the Jewish community in America. We stand together with the Jewish community all throughout the world. We stand together in the effort to crush anti-Semitism. We stand together in the effort to crush anti-Jewish hate. We stand together in the effort to bring home the hostages. We stand together in the effort to make sure that America will always be a safe space for the Jewish community in every single zip code. 
So the speaker, Mike Johnson, was at the rally, too. And we're going to get to Mike with Noam here momentarily. We've got three Long Island guests in a row coming on today. Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, he'll be here at 740. Then we're going to talk to Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman coming up at 815. He was at the march. And then, of course, Congressman Peter King coming up at 840. So Long Island, the red Long Island, very well represented on Sitting Friends in the morning today. But the speaker, what a big day yesterday, Mike Johnson, he was at the rally. And he said, listen, Israel's going to stop kicking ass when Hamas ceases to be a threat. This, Lewis, is Speaker Mike Johnson, cut number 12. Israel will cease their counteroffensive when Hamas ceases to be a threat to the Jewish state. And then he talked about how Biden should be at the march. I mean, again, he's right down the block. The president, Joe Biden, I love Israel. I'm getting the hostages out, blah, blah, blah. And the vice president, who's black, she should be aware of the civil rights that Jewish people have stood for for many, many years. Neither one of them were there. Here's Speaker Mike Johnson on Fox and Friends talking about that absence shows weakness. Cut number 14. It would certainly be nice to have the president or the vice president or both at this rally. They need to be here. Um, He needs to show his support, and we need to project strength on the world stage. The problem with the Biden presidency overall is that we're projecting weakness, and that invites aggression. Yeah, well, they didn't come, so. Oh, well. Uh, But it was talking about aggression. It was quite an aggressive day in Washington, D.C. yesterday. You don't know the Speaker Mike Johnson was able to pass a bill which prevents a government shutdown. And what's funny about that is, is that Mike Johnson, in passing this bill, received Democrat support. Now, why is that funny? That's funny because that's exactly the reason why those eight morons, including my friend Nancy Mace, fired Kevin McCarthy because he received Democrat support. You do realize, Noam, that what Mike Johnson did yesterday is exactly the reason why Kevin McCarthy got ousted. Yeah. So how does that make any sense? It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Well, tell me about all these fights. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but... Did Bernie Sanders, of all people, <laughs> yeah. Bernie Sanders break up a fight yesterday? He did. There was two fights. Uh, this is kind of a crazy day. <laughs> yeah. So they're having the Senate committee hearing yesterday. And uh, Oklahoma Republican Senator Mark Wayne Mullen is um, talking to the Teamsters Union president, Sean O'Brien. And apparently they had had some brutal exchange on Twitter. And so they, why they brought this up in the middle of the Senate committee, I don't know. Well, it was but, probably the first time those two guys were face-to-face. That, that tweet was five months ago. Yeah. So um, then they challenge each other to a fight. <laughs> Wait, I have, do you want to hear what it sounds like? I have a little bit of it. Yeah, let me hear that. You want to do it now? I'd love to do it right now. Well, stand your butt up then. Well, stand your butt up. Come on. So that's in Congress. That's in Congress. And uh, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders, he was uh, chairing this hearing. And uh, he like he told them he looked at the two of them and he said, just stop it. That's exactly what he said. And they did. Oh, I thought he cursed. I thought he said I thought he said, uh, sit the F down. I think he did curse. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Bernie Sanders. Hold on a little bit. Hey, why don't you sit? Let's just have some pastrami sandwiches and talk it out. I didn't get a a good look at uh, the 
these two guys, who would win if they actually signed? I think that Oklahoma uh, senator would have won. He's the guy with the white shirt and the big belt buckle, right? Yeah, he would have kicked his ass. He would have been close. So that wasn't the only fight. So we just talked about how Mike Johnson did exactly yesterday what Kevin McCarthy had done in the past. Yet Mike Johnson is getting rave reviews today, and Kevin McCarthy got fired. Kevin McCarthy had a fight as well. Yes, so. McCarthy and this uh, congressman, Tim Burchard, who's from Tennessee, he was one of the guys who voted to push Kevin McCarthy out. As, as a Newt Gingrich called them, the traitor eight. Yeah. So the two apparently are leaving this meeting in the U.S. Capitol's basement at the same time. And this is what Burchard says happened. He says that uh, McCarthy first elbowed him in the back and then elbowed him in the kidneys. And then Burchard turns around to McCarthy and he says, why did you elbow me in the back? And then he says, if you had any guts, you'd come back. That's what he told reporters. He said it was a clean shot to the kidney. He says it was absolutely on purpose. No, it wasn't. And he said it was only because I was one of the eight people yeah. that voted to push him out. Now, to be honest, he deserves to get cracked across the face, Burchett, for that. But there's no way in a million years McCarthy elbows Burchett on purpose. This guy's a moron. Well, that's what McCarthy said. So McCarthy last night, uh, you know, didn't want to really even talk about it, but he told the Washington Examiner that the incident was, he just bumped into him. He said it wasn't anything bigger than that. It was right, accidental. Yeah, yeah. What a mess. <laughs> it's good to have our government work. <laughs> I mean, it just, it just gets more embarrassing by the day. It's like the Taiwanese parliament. Have you ever seen those fights? Well, you know? not only Taiwanese, <laughs> how, about, how about England? Yeah. yeah. Oh, they yell and scream. They go nuts. Yeah. You got to watch that stuff on those C-SPAN. Hey, so. tell the minister to come on up here right now. <laughs> come on. Well, it all starts at the very, very top. So I want to personally thank Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for being out there yesterday and showing up in support of my people. Thank you so much, guys. <laughs> losers. <laughs> Two losers. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. Anyway, big, big show about to come your way. Curtis Sliwa, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman, Congressman Peter King. How about this guy's got a brand new book out? His father, a legend, his uncles are legends, and now so is he. The great sports talker, Kenny Albert, and then... Coming up tomorrow night on Staten Island, I say this every year, it is the charity celebrity event of the year, and it's held by Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas. I'll be there tomorrow night, as I do every year, and we'll talk to Teddy coming up at 9.30. So big guest list, big day, hump day Wednesday, tunnel to towers Wednesday with me, Sid, and I'll be back right after this. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at 
at info at gobblelaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. When you're alone and life is making you lonely, you can always go downtown. When you've got worries, all the noise and the hurry seems to help, I know. Downtown, just listen to the music of the traffic in the city. Linger on the sidewalk where the neon signs are pretty. How can you lose? The lights are much brighter there. You can't forget all your troubles, forget all your cares, so go down. I can remember very vividly being in my house in Brooklyn, New York with my older sisters, Alana and Ray Sherry, and hearing this song playing in the background. I'm not sure what year it was, but it had to be 70s, I guess. I know this lady's name is Tula something or other. Petula Clark. Petula Clark! Oh, yes, indeed. What year was this song? Let me see, because I had her... I believe today is uh, Petula Clark's birthday. You know, she's still alive. Is she really? And, yeah, she was born in 1932. That makes her 68 plus uh, 23. 91 today. Very good. Petula Clark, 91. It's a great song. But I'm interested what year this is. I'm getting When you have those uh, little 45 albums. I think my sister Alana had this song. Leaving on a jet plane in downtown. (laughs) 1964. There you go. I wasn't even born. I was negative three. I think I was six. I think no. I think I was six months. Six months. Yes. (laughs) It's a good song. Downtown. 6:32 on your Wednesday morning. Seeing a lot of these uh, students that were interviewed yesterday at this rally. I know New York University is upset about a lawsuit that's been filed. They say it doesn't accurately describe conditions. Shut up. NYU, you're an embarrassment. Cornell, you're an embarrassment. I saw these kids being interviewed yesterday, these students. It was great. And for what it's worth, Fox News has done a very, very good job. The last, uh, well, last night and today, one of these uh, kids, Sabrina Soffer, is a GW University student. She's talking right now, but they've done a good job the last two days of talking to these kids, and anti-Semitism is soaring, and they're doing nothing about it. And when you read stories about billionaire donors that are taking their money out, guess what? It doesn't mean anything, because as soon as some Jewish billionaire donor takes his money out, it doesn't take an hour from some Arab to replace it. Some Saudi or some Palestinian gives them $2 million. There's 11, do you realize there's 11 Hamas leaders that are legitimate billionaires? Billionaires! How do they get their money? Anybody know? Uh, Lotto? Yeah, maybe you're right. They must have won it in the state of Texas like Hollywood Henderson did twice. Oh, look at the numbers I got. <laughs> that mother effer played for the Dallas Cowboys, made a ton of money, and still won the, the uh, Texas State Lottery twice. 
I know the Iron Man used to love Hollywood. <laughs> Good. Hollywood called uh, the show one day, and he uh, he spoke to Bernie, and he said, uh, hey, Bernie, where's my guy Sid? And Bernie's like, well, unfortunately, Sid had to leave, and, you know, he moved down to Miami, and Hollywood is a famous Hollywood Henderson because in the Dallas Cowboys Super Bowl against the Denver Broncos, he had a big water bottle that was filled with cocaine, and he was high as a kite. Dallas won that Super Bowl easily over Craig Morton and the Broncos, but he became the face for recovery. So he loved me because of my struggles. He said to Bernie, is it an off-the-air conversation? Well, where is he? And Bernie said, well, he moved to South Beach. And Hollywood said, is that the right place for an addict to go? (laughs) (laughs) Top five. So I actually called Hollywood. I said, listen, Hollywood, it doesn't matter. You can get high in the littlest town in America, you don't need New York to get high or L.A. or South Beach. When you decide it's over, no matter where you live, it's over. And he said, man, you're a thousand percent right. You sound really mature. You sound great. You're still in the wrong place. <laughs> Where's that water bottle? <laughs> yeah. So Megan Kelly, I've got a love affair going again with Megan Kelly. I used to like her a lot. Then I wasn't so sure. But her podcast is great, not good, great. I mean it. A lot of podcasts out there, a lot of guys, like Joe Rogan, for example, he sucks ass. I think he sucks. He's boring. He's stupid. Megyn Kelly is great. And she was talking yesterday about how happy she is naming and shaming all these colleges. So this is Megyn Kelly, shit her own podcast, Lewis, cut number nine. We're not going to let them get, just get away with it. I have been avidly retweeting Stop Anti-Semitism, which has been doing a great job documenting all of this, because I'm perfectly happy to name and shame these people. Perfectly happy to name and shame them. I'm perfectly happy to name and shame all these college campus losers who are saying this stuff. It's not, it's not cancel culture. They're free to say whatever the hell they want, and I am free not to hire them, and so are you. I am free not to hire them, and so are you. All right, let me uh, let me get this Tunnel to Tower stuff in here. We'll come back with a big segment before a cavalcade of big-name guests start uh, stopping by. It is time, of course, for Frank Siller and the weekly Tunnel to Towers update, who now own this show coming up on Fridays. Last week was Veterans Day, and uh, Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation made a huge announcement to commemorate the occasion. Great job here by Frank. Frank, take it away. Each Veterans Day, we're reminded of the constant sacrifices made by our military service members. In a heartwarming gesture, my good friend Frank Siller and the Tunnel to Towers Foundation announced 50 mortgage payoffs for military and first responder families. Additionally, the foundation is celebrating the grand opening of its Houston Homeless Veteran Village. This facility will provide permanent and transitional housing for hundreds of homeless veterans in Houston and the surrounding areas. Houston is one of many sites currently being constructed nationwide through the foundation's Homeless Veteran Program. The program is committed to honoring American service members by providing them with a safe and dignified place to call home. This Veterans Day made us remember that our empathy and compassion can make a difference in the lives of those who have given so much to our country. If you want to contribute or learn more about Tunnel to Towers Mission, visit their website at t2t.org. Donating just $11 a month assists the foundation in its mission to eradicate veteran homelessness. Please donate today. I got to tell you, that village in Houston is gorgeous. 
You guys uh, should really go online and take a look at that. It is a gorgeous village. So, folks, never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate, as I said, just $11 a month. That's pennies a day. Do it today for our heroes at T, the number 2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Fearless Boilers on 77 WABC. Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built of boilers on the hardwood. The Nets won at home against the Orlando Magic by a score of 124 to 104. Dinwiddie had 29, 9 assists and 5 rebounds to lead the contest in scoring. Mikhail Bridges chipped in 21, uh, 21 points, 5 rebounds and 4 assists. And our guy Cam Johnson poured in 20 and we're out to the uh, in-season tournament Eastern Conference Group C victory. With six players total registering double figures in points, Brooklyn grabs its second straight overall win and moves to 2-1 and one in the tournament. Tonight in Atlanta, the Knicks are back on the court as they get set to face the Hawks. Tip off there, scheduled for 7.30. On the ice in Winnipeg, the Devils got doubled up by the Jets last night, losing 6-3. to Timo Meyer, John Marino, and Dawson Mercer were uh, responsible for the Devils' tallies, including a pair of goals on the <clears throat> power play for the league's top-ranked team with the man advantage. Clearly, though, staunch power play. Not directly equating to wins for the Devils. They've now lost three straight and four of their past five games. Tonight we've got Islanders hockey to look forward to as they're back in action on the road in Vancouver. Puck drop for them against the Canucks is set for 10 p.m. tonight. And finally, award news continues to trick in, trickle in, I should say, out of the world of baseball. Yesterday, the Baltimore Orioles' Brandon Hyde was named the American League Manager of the Year. So Miami Marlins' Skip Shoemaker. Skipper Shoemaker, I guess you could call him, won the National League Award. This evening at 6 p.m., the winners of the 2023 Cy Young Award will be announced on MLB Network. Local Yankees ace Garrett Cole is the front runner in the American League, ahead of finalist Kevin Gaussman from Toronto and Sonny Gray out of Minnesota. In the National League, it's down to the Diamondbacks' Zach Gallen, the Padres' Blake Snell, and the Giants' Logan Webb. That's sports, sponsored by people. We're going to peel the spoilers. Go to peelthespoilers.com, pavilion to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers. I'm Justin Ellick. On 77 WABC. If you had an accident, trust Gabu Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabu Law has recovered millions for their clients and they will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read their five star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabu Law today, 800 560 0214, for a free consultation or email them at info at gabolaw.com. That's G-A-B-O-Law.com. Gabo Law, where winning is no accident. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Got any Blue Oyster Cult? No, I don't have any Blue Oyster Cult. I ate 34 pairs last time around. Where were you? I was that close to working at 7-Eleven, you know. All right, now go on. Get out of here. You're messing up my business. Come on, Brad. Let's go get you a woman.
That's a great scene right there. Nice job, Lou Rafino. That's why Lou's the best, man. I'm glad I told that writer, Alex, um, not Alex, Ryan Hedrick in Barrett Media, how great you are and what you've done for this show. I'm, nothing to do with Bernard. I'll always love and miss Bernie, and Bernie was great. But you are uh, a completely different animal, and uh, you're fun. And you got that quote from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, which is great. And then you follow it up with Fear the Reaper by Blue Oyster Cult. You're an absolute genius. Thank you, Rack. And then you send me very nice messages. You know, I get mad a lot at this place. And I'm not going to get into specifics. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, yesterday, uh, Burchette and McCarthy almost came to blows. You had the Oklahoma senator and the head of the Teamsters almost came to blows. And... Almost monthly now, I almost come to blows with sales or, or, or the program director or somebody. Seems to be this ongoing virus here where people make program decisions for my show, which I can't stand. I quit a job for that even before the money. Don't tell me what I'm going to do on Friday. Ask me if I want to do it on Friday. Again, I'm not going to get specific about this, and I may get in trouble for saying it on the air. I don't. I hope I do. I really hope I do. I really do. I hope I hope John or Chad or somebody yells at me, I don't care anymore. I don't care. The blatant disrespect. You wouldn't do this to Imus. You wouldn't do it to Stern, but you do it to me. And I hate to tell this to you because I know you guys don't take me that seriously, but I'm the closest thing you've got to those guys. I'm the closest thing. You don't believe me? Ask a bunch of other program directors around town. I'm pissed. Really pissed. But I'll get over it because that's who I am. And I'll go out today and I'll hand out turkeys because that's a beautiful thing that John and Margot do. A beautiful thing. And I'll enjoy my Thanksgiving holiday and Hanukkah and Christmas and all that stuff. You know, uh, we played a commercial a little while ago for Jen from Dolce. So I went to see Jen last night. Me and Danielle, we both got Botox. In fact, it's a little discoloration by my left eye and i'm dying to tell folks that some arab jumped me and i kicked his ass it's a better story than getting pricked during botox (laughs) i was on the way to the rally and some arab jumped me and you should see what he looks like but uh the truth is it's just a little remnant from a very very successful botox stay and then we went across the street of course it's her howard beach office and we had a great dinner at Lenny's, one of Lou's 
favorite places uh, in Howard Beach. Jealous. Yeah, that is a good place. Isn't it a great place? Yep. Yep. We had a great dinner. Me, Danielle, Gabe, and Jen. And it was fantastic. And the owner there, Joe, he loves me. And uh, all the patrons. And there was a big baseball dinner there last night. All the scouts. In fact, I spoke to Gary Perone from our very own Staten Island Ferry Hawks. I love Gary. He was supposed to come. He couldn't make it. But all these scouts, Ed Randall was there. And I met a lovely guy who's a scout for the St. Louis Cardinals, 41 years. A lovely guy who's a scout for the Chicago Cubs for 40 years. They all live here. They live in Jersey and New York. The Cub Scout lives in Seagate in Coney Island, not far from John's beautiful Ocean Drive buildings. And they're all great guys having dinner in the private room behind me at uh, Lenny's last night. It was fun. Can't and I also Lenny's. want to mention, um, you know, I did a commercial also right before this segment for Crystal Springs Resort. And uh, they've been off this show for a while. They just came back. Good job by Leslie. And I love that place. I love that place. I went there last year, and I did something at Crystal Springs Resort that to this day, Danielle and Gabe can't believe. Because for the most part, I'm a very good athlete, very good. In high school, I played basketball, football, baseball. I lift weights. I'm a good athlete. But I'm spastic. I admit it. I think I've got dyspraxia, which my son has. And the easiest things for most people are very difficult for me. Very. (laughs) So they wanted me to do axe throwing. And I said, I got to tell you, this is a very bad idea. What? what? It could easily fly out the back of my hand and kill somebody behind me. I mean, I remember being at the Imus Golf Tournament. You were there, Lou. Stephen A. Cox years ago in Bernardsville, New Jersey. Gorgeous course. Right by Trump's course. And I miss hit the ball backwards <laughs> on his backswing right. and hit an old lady right between the eyes. <laughs> Almost killed her. I'm dating all the way back to pre-ABC I miss, the real I miss, like 2003. He almost killed her. Yeah, it was true. I said, yeah. I said, you're going to get the same thing? You can't have me throw an axe. <laughs> Just do it. So they cleared the area for miles. <laughs> they evacuated like it was Gaza. <laughs> and I walk up to this um, to, the, to the line there, you know. And I take this axe with one hand, I swear to God, and I throw this axe hard as I can and as straight as I can. And what do I do on my very first attempt? I hit the bullseye. Nice. So Danielle and Gabe go, oh, come on, stop. Come on. I said, I don't know what I'm doing. First time ever. It's luck. There's no way I can do it again. (laughs) I walk up to the line. I grab myself an axe, I throw this thing as fast, as hard as I can, and wouldn't you know, I did it again. And it was clear, after about 20 minutes of axe throwing, if there was an Olympic sport for that event, and there may be, by the way, I'm a gold medalist, which makes no sense, because I can barely tie my own shoes. But you give me an axe, and you give me a bullseye, and I'm one of the all-time greats. <laughs> so I can't wait to go back to Crystal Springs Resort and throw axes. It's a lot of fun. You know, they've got bars here in Manhattan, in New York City. They're very popular where they serve liquor. That's a good idea. Yeah, the liquor whole combination. And axe. Great yeah, it's, combination. It's, it's like giving Yankee fans baseball bats. <laughs> that was a great idea. Hey, bat day at Yankee Stadium. How about that? Um, no, they have bars, and they've got liquor and food and axes, and it's a good time.
You've right. never done it? No. Why don't they oh, just... you would love it. No, I, I haven't. I haven't done that. Why don't they just grease the floors too? <laughs> <laughs> now that would be funny. That's a good event. Oh, great! That's no. Great. Have you done this ever? Axe throwing? No, I never have. I'm telling you, man, it's good stuff. You got to do it. You got to do it at least once. Axe throwing. All right, listen. We got a lot of great guests about to stop by. Tell me where you're going to be, and I'll go to the other. <laughs> <laughs> I want you and MJ to come with us that weekend to Crystal Springs Resort. They got great food, and I'm serious, a beautiful spa, which Macedonia Phil sneaks into every now and then. It's a oh, great yeah, place. He's right. He can walk right over the board. That's right. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. Don't give him an axe either. <laughs> <laughs> we got Curtis Sliwa, Anthony D'Esposito, Bruce Blakeman, Beth Finkel, Peter King, Kenny Albert, and Teddy Atlas. A monster Wednesday morning guest list right here on your favorite talk show in New York City. That's me, Sid Rosenberg, on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Seventy-seven WABC. Boy, you're my best friend. Boy. This is Sid and Friends in the morning. From my friends. Seventy-seven WABC. We don't do uh, the uh, straw donors, and a lot of people don't know what that means. Uh, but we don't do the straw donors. Uh, uh, we don't, uh, you know, do quid pro quo. We follow the law. I'm very clear on that. I've stated it from my days in the police department uh, to my days of state senator to my days of borough president and as the mayor. Get on me, I play by the rules. Don't listen to Curtis Sliwa with Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> yeah. well, I love Curtis so much. I, I, I don't know why I love him so much. I just, I've grown to become so fond of this man. I, I just, I, I know why, because he's great on my show and he's a real hero. I mean, I looked yesterday, for example, Johnny Tobacco. I like Johnny Tobacco a lot. Newsmax guy. Good guy. Him and uh, those Staten Island rebels, there was a pro-Palestinian rally in front of the borough president, Vito Pocella's office. Vito did a good job at those those big uh, spotlights, you know. And they showed up, and uh, they were ready to beat these bastards up. Five people got arrested. And the reason why all these folks on Staten Island have such big balls, and they do, John, is because of Curtis. And I've been uh, to rallies in Brooklyn with Curtis and Queens 
With that's why I love him. I mean, he's a legendary radio guy. He's had a much, much, much bigger New York radio career than I've had. To be completely honest, he has. But he's a um, he's a good guy. He cares about this city. Does he get carried away sometimes? Absolutely. That's why he is quote unquote entertaining. I do the same thing. That's radio, folks. Remember in um, Days of Thunder. When the uh, the car was rubbing up against Tom Cruise's car, and Robert DeVell goes to the kid, he goes, that's racing. Well, that's radio. And that's why Curtis has had such a successful 40-year stay. He gets big ratings, whether he's doing weekends or weekdays or with me. And he ain't buying what Eric Adams is trying to sell you. Now, look, let's have an honest conversation. Curtis, uh, with all the nice things I, said, I just said about him, He's butthurt because Adams kicked his ass in the election. And um, he'll never forgive Eric for that, which is not Eric's fault. It's the voters' fault, but that's fine. So there's a, a personal bias here, which Curtis just can't shake. So when you combine that with the fact that Curtis is going to run again against this guy, this has become so personal, you almost can't take anything Curtis says seriously. But here's the problem. When Curtis says it, he's right. He's right like 98% of the time. So while you go, well, he's got a bias, he's got an agenda, he's this, he may have all, he does have all, he's got all of that. You're right. You're right. But he's right. And that's why he's on this show every day, and that's why I love him. So good morning. How are you? Well, you should be asking your friend, uh, Eric Adams, how is he with his burner phones? Uh, notice, Sid, you still haven't gotten a message from the mayor, have you? Uh, ever since they snatched up his phones, the FBI outside of NYU. By the way, there were other raids. Are you aware of that, Sid? There were other raids there besides other the two, raids. besides Brianna yes. and taking his stuff? Yes, are you aware of that? No, I'm not aware of that. Uh, is Gnome, well, uh, Eric hasn't texted me because they took his phone. Uh, well, and because he has burner phones now. This is what drug dealers have. Uh, this is what hip-hop monsters. Like, he's going to be honoring Wu-Tang Clan tonight. It's like, oh, is that the most important thing going on in this city? This is what rock stars have, burner phones. This is what guys have when they're trying to not have their wife know they got a gumata. They got the burner phone, and then they got the regular phone. He has not reached out to you, has he, said? Not once. He hasn't given you the number to his burner phones? No, he has not. Well, you see, yesterday, after he did a press conference in which the corporation counsel, his lawyer, interfered like about four times. No, 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 Mr. Mayor, I'll answer this question. We don't want you to all of a sudden implicate yourself in the FBI investigation. He came up to WABC. And you know what happened? Well, he was here. You know, I like this um, Suzanne Miller. I like her a lot. And she does a uh, real estate uh, podcast, you know. And I believe she is responsible for selling a lot of those or renting a lot of those beautiful apartments, which I've stayed in. I've stayed in apartment 22A right on the ocean, those ocean drive buildings. And I like her a lot. But uh, for some reason, the real estate podcast girl has been interviewing people like Andrew Cuomo and the mayor, Eric Adams. Now, and, and next week, it'll be George Pataki. Yeah, man. Now, look, maybe there's a real estate um, angle to that because, you know, are people going to rent in the city while you guys are actively well, trying to I'll destroy tell you, it? The only real estate <laughs> yeah. interest yesterday was Dan Herschel, our head engineer. Uh, I was in the podcast studio just preparing notes. And he locks me in, and he puts a pail inside. A pail, a plastic pail. Wait a second. Hold on a second now. Stop this. 
So, Suzanne and Eric. They're in Studio 77. Doing the podcast. Right. You're a couple of studios away. Right. I'm in the podcast studio. But you're in the same, you're on the same floor, same building, same time. And Dan locked you in your studio just to make sure you didn't come out and see Eric? With a pail. What was the pail for, to pee? Just in case I had to, you know, do number one and two. Like a prisoner. Exactly. That's fantastic. Which I know. Oh, my God. I love Dan Hirsch. Well, you're complaining about that? No. This is the greatest thing we've ever done. I've been locked up so many times, I knew exactly what that was. So they no, had that, me, that, you can't do that. Yeah, they had me locked into the podcast room. Well, who do you who do you think asked for that? Do you think the mayor himself said, "I don't want to see Curtis"? Lock no, him no, in the I room. Think, I think everybody was afraid that I'd go up to him and say, "Hey, how come you haven't given Sid the numbers to your new burner phones?" <laughs> and you know, I would have said that. that would that, that would be the first thing you'd say to him. Absolutely. Now you wouldn't say to him, "Hey, uh, listen, I'll, I'll come visit you," because you seem to think he's going to jail. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe I'll send you some commissary. <laughs> You know, I'll put some in your commissary account. But they really I, locked you in the in the studio. Yep. Dan Herschel <laughs> stood in front of it like if somehow I threw a spinning hook kick and broke my way out of it. They were so terrified that I would ask that question or go near the man. He's terrified of me. He, Why? Because he knows I know. Come on, Sid. Where did you first hear about the burning phones, right? You. Where did you first know that they had snatched up his phones without me having to tell you by saying he's got burner phones? Somehow you knew, now that I think about it, we didn't find out in the media. It happened right after the Suggs um That was a invasion. Monday night, Monday night outside of NYU, right. and I told you on Tuesday morning. Correct. How did you know that? Uh, I have sources, Sid. As you know, I got rats all over the place. You really do. I mean, because uh, now, now that I think about it, and not to just blow smoke up your ass, but you did tell me that the day after the media did not even report it till a week after. They are so far behind. Look, Noam Laden, as good as he is, he doesn't even know there were other raids. He doesn't? He's just focused on the Brianna raid, you know, the first raid, yeah. and the mayor getting his phone snatched. Well, and now he's got in, in all fairness to Noam, he's, he's uh, investigating uh, the real possibility that the hostages are getting out. Well, no, that's a more important story. There's no yeah. doubt about <laughs> yeah. that. See, Noam, I got your back, but it don't is. worry. It is, but most of the other media has not reported there were other raids. They didn't report it or they don't know it. I don't think they uh, know I think it. they're so far behind on this story is that they're, they're losing oxygen. There's so many working parts. How many raids were there? About a good eight raids. No way. No way. Yep. And what places did they raid? Well, I'm not at liberty to tell you. can't them. tell me that. And this is all in an attempt to nail, because they keep saying this is not necessarily about Adams and his campaign, but then the very next sentence they go, but... It does seem a little suspicious that a Turkish Brooklyn construction company. Yeah, yeah. So you're telling me all this, Rudy is wrong, Rudy Giuliani's wrong. Everybody here is wrong. They all have the back you know, of the You know, Donald Trump said it, too. Yeah, you know. That, this, uh, uh, this, Biden, is, this is the new Republican conservative talking point. Everybody's wrong. And, in fact, Greg Kelly was also saying it again about Menendez, who has been indicted a second time. Oh, they're doing this because Menendez stood up first to Obama, and now he's standing up to Biden. I don't care what Greg Kelly says. It's horse oh, yeah. So, so you, uh, I listen to you, not him. So you, you're telling me yes. that they absolutely are trying to nail Adams to the wall, and you believe that after eight raids and taking his phones that he's in a lot more trouble than the media is telling us. Let me us. ask you a question, right? Sure, whatever you like. Remember, yeah. uh, Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope, was on the ropes. He was being investigated by Preet Bharat. 
Uh, he had press conferences every day, unlike uh, Eric Adams now. He limits it to one a week. And much like this Eric Adams story, maybe Greg Kelly is right. If you remember correctly, Preet Bahara got fired. No, he, he, he got fired by Trump eventually, but okay. he was kept on initially. Okay, fine. But Preet Bahara had him on the ropes. And then he walked in with his lawyers, and his lawyers fell on the sword, de Blasio's lawyers, and said, he's not a lawyer. This was based on our advice, ineffective assistance of counsel. Your friend Arthur Idala knows that, and Joe Tacopina. This is when, when they want to swap out lawyers. But <laughs> the point being is, I've never seen a press conference in which a lawyer prevented the mayor from speaking three times yesterday. That happened? Yes, three I didn't times. See, I didn't see the press. I was too busy That's watching. Right, well, you got to ask no oh, I was watching the, the march, the Israel look, march. Look, 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 no lady isn't even paying attention to the show here. I actually got mad at the mayor yesterday. You want to know why? He came out and said that New York City parents... New York City parents like your dear friends, Sydney and Danielle Rosenberg, need to volunteer at schools as the migrant crisis grows. That is not the first time that the mayor and this city has put it on us. I thought, what are you epping nuts? I thought Do for your sure, jobs. Wait a I thought for sure you were going to be upset. He referred twice to the war in the Middle East as Israel versus Palestine. Israel he did. versus twice. He did. Twice. twice. You he need did. to straighten them out on that. But meantime, get Noam Layden on for a second. Noam, have you ever seen a press conference before where the lawyer prevented the mayor from speaking, not once, not twice, but three times? No, it was pretty surprising and shocking to see it happen. This is what happens when you have a client who's in trouble. Your friend, Arthur Idala and Joe Takapina do that all the time. They will not permit their client to speak because their client is in trouble. So trust me on this, Sid. I haven't been wrong. I haven't been wrong. And the fact that they had to lock me in the podcast room and give me a pay. Well, there is something so gorgeous about that. I mean, it's completely unfair, and it's not right. It's like when you got shot. I mean, that wasn't right, but I can't help. By the way, how, by the way, let, deserved let, all that. Uh, <laughs> let me let me let me get on you. You took a shot at me right at the start of the program. No, the, no, 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 no. This is a lie. I was listening to this you in the subway. This is a lie. As I was dealing with a homeless guy who was like ready to fall into the tracks. He had the show on too. You gave him headphones. No, no. I was listening to you and right Leo. out of the box. Now, first, I want to compliment everybody who put that rally together. Three hundred thousand strong. It was great. Yeah. I wish more evangelicals, you would have had a million. All right, you're working on well, that. That's fair, though. It's a fair. You know what was missing, and nobody has brought this up? Well, the president, the vice president? No, I did bring that up. You really think Joe Biden could have found his way there? You're telling me that Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris couldn't walk down the block? What, are you kidding me? Joe Biden is lucky if he can walk a few steps I know that. falling down. But where did I take a shot? What are these lies I took a right shot at Right at you? the start of the program. Where? Was what did I say at the start of the program? Let's get back on track. Where was Zohan? No, hold on a second. You're where, calling, was, where you, was Mr. Hanukkah's song? Where was Mr. Bar Mitzvah boy? Where was Zohan, Adam Sandler, Jew from Brooklyn like you? Where was he? You know, a couple of years ago, I went to the Boca Resort. The true story. And um, I walked into the lobby. We checked in that day. Uh, Ava and Gabe were still young. And who did I see in the lobby when I was checking in? The aforementioned Adam Sandler. And uh, we check in about the same time. And I had met him before, and he'd been on my shows on Radio Row at the Super Bowl. I said hello. You had no idea who I was. And then some guy, some well-dressed guy, hysterical, runs over to me. And he says, oh, my God, Sid. I swear this is true. I go, why would you run over to me? 
do you see two feet in front of me is Adam Sandler? This guy's an attorney. He goes, I don't care about Adam Sandler. I don't listen to Adam Sandler every day. I listen to you every day. Screw Adam Sandler. And Sandler heard it. He's standing right there. And Sandler goes, yeah, screw me. Good for you, Sid. And this attorney was the guy that introduced me to Anthony Scaramucci and a host of others. This is back in 2016 when I first got here. That's my Adam Sandler story. Right, now, Outside uh, uh, of that, I don't know Adam why Sandler. Why has nobody brought this up? First off, two movies, Zohan, IDF, right? Yes. Super. Yes. And then he came to New York and became a transgendered hairstylist. Oh, yeah, that was, uh, you're that right. Was Zohan 1 and Zohan 2. Oh, the both of them? Yes. Hey, Lou, what I was the name have... of the, uh, the, the hot chick that was in those horrible movies? She was also in Entourage. Really pretty. Oh, yeah, but you're right. He made, well, wait a second. Don't, are are don't... there other Jewish celebrities that. Wait, 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 wait. There were 700 Jewish celebrities who signed a letter in support of Israel. 700 Jewish celebrities? Led by Jerry Seinfeld. He signed it? Oh, uh, yes. Uh, 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 that gave me a lot of knockers. Michael Douglas, a whole host of others I didn't recognize. But is this true? I think uh, the wife of of uh, Spielberg. Is that Amy Schumer? Who's, who? No, no, that's, uh, that's uh, no, Schumer's. No, uh, she's a comedian. That's his niece. Right, right, right. Yeah, but but uh, also I did see Liv Schreiber. Yes, Liv Schreiber. Plays Ray Donovan. He's right. on the list. Yes. So 700 is a pretty nice number, but no Adam Sandler. No Adam Sandler. This is a guy who is the superstar IDF guy, right? Israeli Defense Force guy. He was. You can't be any more Jewish than Hanukkah song. You've played it here on the air, right? I'm going to play it again this he year. He did the movie Bar Mitzvah. Well, where is he? I'm asking you. And how come nobody else has asked that question? That's a good question. Why does it take the righteous Gentile to ask these questions? Like, hey, Adam, Jew boy from Brooklyn, where are you? You know, just you? last week, it's so funny you say these things. You're, this, again, you're a genius. Just last week on Instagram, I came across an old post where Adam Sandler was davening, I swear to God, on the Howard Stern Show. Because Stern is also Jewish, and Stern has been pro-Israel during this time. Adam was davening on the, Now, it's old. It's from a couple years ago. But um, I've heard nothing from Adam right, Sandler so, the last so look, couple of weeks. Since you were elevated above Adam Sandler in Miami, right? I was? Well, you, t- you told a story. Oh, that guy right. did think I was more important. Why yes. don't you or have Justin Ellick, who's probably a fan of Adam Sandler, reach out to his agent and say, why is this guy missing in action? His whole career has been based on him being a good Jewish boy from Brooklyn who became a success. At one point, he was like the number one box office star in Hollywood. I think he still gets 20-plus million a movie. Yeah, no, still. no. He's a, got a and lot his, of And movies. his mother is a lovely Jewish woman who lives in Delray Beach, Florida. That's why Adam stays at the and Boca Resort. What does he do now? He goes around to college campuses and plays basketball against the college team. I think yeah, he recently does. he was at Drake he in does. Omaha, Nebraska. That's right. So what? The, where is he? We know uh, Jews love uh, I'm going to reach out to him. I'm going to reach out. I swear to God, I'm going to reach Why out to Adam Sandler. Why wouldn't he have signed that letter? 700 prominent Jews in Hollywood. Total support for the state What if of he Israel. was busy? What if he was uh, yeah, what, playing basketball, wearing sweatpants, <laughs> looking like a homeless guy, <laughs> sitting there, you know, in a park? Hey, can, hey, can you pick me? It, it, it's, it's shirts versus skins. Can you pick me? I don't want to take my shirt off. Yeah, by the way, Danielle, who loves you uh, about as much as I do, she loves you more, actually. You become like a hero. I swear to God. You're a hero to Danielle. She said, um, um, Adam Sandler is actually from New Hampshire, not Brooklyn. Origin- but he was birthed in Brooklyn. Okay, there you go. 
And uh, Ben Stiller, just in case you wanted to know, a Jew, was he on that list? Yeah, Manhattan. I don't know. I don't know. You he have to was at uh, the list. Chelsea Hotel last night with Marissa right. Tomei. Right. So, but you knew this already. Right. No, How do you I didn't know, know all this stuff. That I didn't know. Oh, you didn't know that? Okay. No, no. no, no so, but so what do you want me to do with Sam? Forget Ben Stiller for a second, okay? Yeah. Let's focus on the guy. You know, who I played. did watch uh, King of Queens last night, and I realized how much I missed Ben Stiller's father, the brilliant oh, Jerry Stiller. The best, and plus, he was very good. He married outside of his religion to Ann Stiller and Mira. Very good, and, uh, yes. incredible. The Irish Catholic, the Jewish guy. They were on WMCA when it was talk. Is that they right? did a talk show? Were they good? They were. Better than good. They were great. No kidding. Yes. And they're funny. They're both funny. They were both funny people. Oh, my God. They were so good. So neighborhood. So real. Yeah, yeah. So real. But let's focus on Adam Sandler. Remember, he, he performed as a Israeli defense force, the biggest Israeli defense force guy ever, Zohan, who decided to leave Zohan. the IDF and come to New York City and become a transgender hairdresser. It's true. Do you not remember that? I do. Oh, you know, the name of the girl was Emmanuel Sharik. Remember her, Lewis? She yeah, was, I found her. I was just going to tell you. Yeah, Emmanuel she was Shariki. in, uh, again, the the show again with the guys, Entourage. Oh, yeah. by the way, they're not wasps. But can I ask you a question? The uh, play or the musical you're going to tonight, The Wasp Woman? This afternoon, a matinee. Yeah. Yeah. Is this uh, based on the sci-fi horror movie that I saw? <laughs> you know, the B-grade movie yeah, yeah. that was based on a cosmetic queen that is transformed into a murderous monster after she uses an insect chemical to preserve her beauty? Maybe that's something you should try instead of both <laughs> Is that what this thing's about today? I don't know. I don't, I I don't know either. It was one of those great B-grade movies that came out <laughs> of the 50s. Is that right? You know, like the invasion of the pods, you know. No, this one, I think this, um, this Broadway show, or Broadway, actually follows around three, as they call it, B-rated stars. Are they all wasps? Yeah, Sean Young. So that Remember means, Sean Young? That means if you sat down to, for dinner with them, you get one little slice of roast beef, right? Maybe two asparagus <laughs> tips and all the scotch you want to drink. That's it's, the great thing about being with Wasp. If you love to drink, they got no food for you. One serving, uh, no, no, nothing more like Jews and Italians would keep coming back and back. But you can drink all the scotch you want. And by the way, you mentioned Hollywood Henderson, number 56. LT, right? Number 56. They both had the same problem. But you know what happened? Henderson, after you couldn't have gotten into any more trouble than him, he's sitting at home in Austin, Texas. He wins a $28 million lotto in Texas. And they said to him, what do you do every day, Hollywood? He said, not a damn thing. And I don't start that until after lunch. Can you imagine? $28 million lotto winner. And what does it prove? Don't go to Florida if you have a drug problem because it's either legal drugs or illegal drugs. That state is a watch for drugs. Adam Sandler, where are you? Where you didn't sign the letter. 700 prominent Jews in Hollywood put their careers on the line against the Hamas-loving uh, producers and directors out there, Trendoids. Where was your signature? Where is your statement? You should have been on that stage yesterday in Washington. Great turnout. Singing the Hanukkah song instead of hiding. I got to play basketball against Drake University in my sweats where I look like a homeless person. What a shunder! And it took this righteous Gentile to call him out.
None of you out there. No, no, no. He's our hero. Hero? Yeah, the only hero he's had lately, right, is in Omaha, Nebraska. He said, hey, hey, uh, make sure this is kosher. You know, I want to make sure that I'm observing. But it's Shonda Adam Chandler. Jews, every Jew at 22, it's time to defend your own. What is Cuomo say the other day, bring out the National Guard. You need the National Guard. How about defending your own? But guess who is? Hall of Famer Rod Carew. He converted. We got Ann Landers and her sister, dear Abby. Harrison Ford's a quarter Jewish. Not too shabby. <laughs> Some people think that Ebenezer Scrooge is. Well, he's not, but guess who is? All three Stooges. So many Jews are in showbiz. Tom Cruise isn't, but I heard his agent is. Tell your friend Veronica, it's time you celebrate Hanukkah. Oh, on this lovely, lovely Hanukkah So drink your gin and tonica And smoke your marijuana If you really, really want to Have a happy, 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 happy Hanukkah Happy Hanukkah 77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. We used to laugh. We used to cry. We used to bow our heads then. Wonder why. Now you're gone. I guess I'll carry on. No one can have some breaking news on what um, that creep, Phil Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, what his wife, Tammy, New Jersey's first lady, will be doing next. I'm not going to ruin it for no one, but he's got that latest news coming up in about 15 minutes. What will Phil Murphy's wife, Tammy, be doing next? And uh, before I get to Anthony D'Esposito and all these great guests, Bruce Blakeman, Peter King, Kenny Albert, Teddy Atlas, what a show. My favorite audio of the day is still from Tulsi Gabbard. You know, 300,000 people in D.C. yesterday. A beautiful, beautiful day. Not just for the Jewish people, folks. Yes, we take it more personal than anybody else, but it's for all of us, all decent, God-loving human beings. Every American should have been proud and moved and moved by what they saw yesterday. Even folks like Van Jones and Hakeem Jeffries give me a break, but they were there.
But guess who wasn't there? Same guy that claims how much he loves Israel. you got people like Herzog, the Israeli president, thanking him yesterday. That's when I walked out of the room. I literally walked out of the room. I'm so sick and tired of people thanking Biden. I know they've got no choice. They've got no choice. They need America. They need the money. They need the weaponry. They need our support. I get it. But I can't listen to it. I nearly got thrown out of a big dinner two weeks ago with the rabbis because the consulate from Israel was doing the same thing. Biden is a prick. He couldn't care less. Now he's almost guaranteeing the families of the hostages that they're coming home. I hope to God he's right. I'll give him a lot of credit if he can make it happen. If he doesn't, oh, my God. But can somebody explain to me how the president and the vice president, that dimwit, they're walking distance, walking distance from this rally yesterday, and they weren't there. There's no excuse for that. So here is former Democrat politician, now Republican, on Fox News yesterday, Tulsi Gabbard, talking about that exact point. People are pouring in from all across the country to take this very important stand against anti-Semitism and against the Hamas terrorist Islamist groups that, it, that are vowing to exterminate not only the Jews, but sending this call to action to people around the world to go after and destroy and kill anyone who doesn't adhere to their radical interpre- interpretation of Islam. I got to tell you, there's a, there's a very loud absence, though, in knowing that President Biden and Vice President Harris are literally just down the street. As people are traveling here from all over the country, yet they don't feel it's important enough to come and stand with our fellow Americans to send this strong and resounding message at a time when anti-Semitic attacks around the world are at their height, that we will not allow it to continue, that we stand with Israel and the Jewish people. Pretty good question. Right down the block. Crocodile tears, folks. Don't buy it. Don't buy it. He just wants to win again. All right, we're going to get to Anthony D'Esposito. The House passed bill yesterday that avoids a government shutdown, but maybe I'm crazy, but I, I, I could swear that the new Speaker Johnson did exactly yesterday what McCarthy did, but McCarthy got fired. Maybe Anthony D'Esposito can explain that to me. So we'll get to Anthony. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Sit in friends in the morning. 77 WABC. All right, 7.51 on your hump day Wednesday morning, your Tunnel to Towers Wednesday. Anthony D'Esposito, become my guy, you know, and I'm not going to lie to you, Mike Lawler keeps texting me, and, um, well, I haven't put him on, I put Anthony on instead, so. So when you see Lawler in the chamber, uh, Anth, he may not be as nice to you as he was before, but what am I going to tell you? That's uh, that's the way the game goes. So thank you for coming on this morning. How you been? I'm good, Sid. How you doing? I'm doing good. So explain this to me. So the new speaker, Mike Johnson, you guys get together, and you avoid a government shutdown. Before we start talking about how you avoided that, for folks who don't follow this stuff all that closely, because a lot of my listeners are former WFAN listeners and just regular guys, you know, and they don't know the ins and outs of all this. 
So for the everyday guy, what would a government shutdown mean? Uh, it would be disastrous. I mean, a lot of things that you would take for granted um, would be shut down. There would be um, – and really the biggest issue that I think faces the American people that they don't understand is it's not the actual shutdown that affects our everyday lives. It's the opening back up of government that would be uh, completely detrimental to our everyday. So um, whether it's you know our soldiers, whether it has to do with the Postal Service – um, not all of these would be shut down, but there would be changes in the way that that we receive, um, you know, our, our everyday uh, resources from the American government. It would all change. Okay. So you guys avoid it, and the only way that Mike Johnson could have avoided it is with some Democrat support. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, Anthony, but those eight, quote-unquote, Newt Gingrich traitors, one of which is a good friend of mine, who haven't spoken to in a while, Nancy Mace. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but the reason why they wanted Kevin McCarthy out was that every now and then he would do a deal or a bill that would involve Democrat participation. That's exactly, exactly what Mike Johnson got yesterday. What's the difference? Well, yeah, I mean, that's correct. I mean, really what it, what it is is I think that this shows that a lot of the issues with Kevin McCarthy were personal, um, but they were using the fact that uh, he, he worked in a bipartisan fashion to keep this government open as the excuse. Uh, there, were, there were 93 Republicans that opposed uh, the CR yesterday, uh, many of them being the individuals that you just spoke about. And uh, I think what's important to point out is, is exactly what we discussed at the beginning of the segment. We don't want the government to shut down. We all agree uh, whether you are, you know, like me and you, regular guys, or whether you've been in Washington, D.C. for decades, we agree that uh, we need to rein in spending, especially with the Biden administration. I mean, they, they just write checks that I don't even know where they expect to get the money from. We have a deficit that continues to rise every day, and it's going to be have drastic effects on, you know, on, on the young, your ch- children, grandchildren. I mean, that's who's really going to bear the brunt of the spending that's going on across this country. And we understand that we need to rein it in. But in that process, we need to do it in a responsible fashion. And and many of them just want cuts across the board that would, I mean, it it would basically equate to a government shutdown. I mean, it would end programs that people depend on. And and that's that's not how we need to operate government. We need to find ways to cut spending uh, in places that, that really are, are spending out of control and, and places that we know are, are, are causing our country harm. That's where we need to cut spending. We don't need to cut spending from, you know, SNAP program and WIC program. I mean, listen, are, are there people that take advantage of those programs? Absolutely. But there are a lot of people, probably people that me and you know that live in our communities, that depend on that to put food on their table. I mean, there's no reason that we need to cut 65% from Amtrak. Why? Because it targets the Northeast. Listen, there are people, our friends, our family members who utilize Amtrak to come to and from work every single day. So there, there needs to be discussions had as to where we're cutting this funding, and it can't be disproportionate across the country. And, and very often it seems to target the Northeast and New York. So I'm a Republican, as you know, and um, a lot of you guys, uh, you especially, are my friends, a bunch of friends in uh, Congress. I'm not popular. But I got to tell you, man, it has been rough being friends with you guys, dating back to when you initially ousted McCarthy. That was ridiculous. And I know you had your reasons, but not putting in Jim Jordan, that was ridiculous. And now yesterday, when you got this very important vote going on to 
avoid a government shutdown, you got this uh, moron Burchett. He's a moron. Who was one of those uh, eight traitor eights? Fighting with uh, Kevin McCarthy, claiming that McCarthy elbowed him in the kidney, which is ridiculous. Then you got Bernie Sanders breaking up a fight. Bernie Sanders, of all people, breaking up a fight between a Teamsters Union president and some other uh, idiot from Oklahoma, some other politician. What the hell is going on in D.C.? Uh, I, I agree with you, Sid. I'll tell you right now, the one person that shouldn't be breaking up any fights, especially between those two guys, is Bernie Sanders. <laughs> what, what, what everyone, where everyone should have been yesterday um, is where I was, and that was at the National Mall uh, for the for the Israel rally. And you, could, you, by the, and you I know you were there. In fact, I'm going to speak to Bruce Blakeman coming up in about 18 minutes. You were there with him. That includes the president and the vice president who are right down the block and didn't show up either. Shame on both Biden and Harris. But on a serious note, I'm glad you were at the rally, and I love you for that. But what the hell is going on with your cohorts? I, I agree. Listen, I think everyone needs to take a deep breath. I know that there are, and, and I've told you this before, there are there are emotions that are running high uh, because of what happened, you know, now a month ago when when McCarthy was ousted. I mean, it's only the it's the first time in, in the history of the United States that is that the uh, the Speaker of the House seat was vacated. So there are people that are upset. They're angry. But listen, we need to be adults. We were sent here by the American people to do the people's work, and that's what we should be doing, fighting and, and arguing with one another. I mean, listen, I, I was always told growing up in uh, in the Nassau County Republican GOP is you try to keep uh, what, what goes on with the family, you keep it behind closed doors, and, and you need to show a unified front. And I, need, I think we need to take some of that lead here uh, in Washington, D.C. You never want Joe and Mika, those two animals, to start their show by calling you guys third graders, especially if they're right. You never want that, and they're right. All right, another uh, big uh, story today. You guys are about to grill. Oh, this is going to be like porn. You guys are going to grill this Mayorkas who should be put in prison, right to prison this morning. Christopher Ray, I think, is also back on the Hill today. Tell me what's in store for some of these folks later on today. Yep, so at 9 o'clock we have a a full uh, Homeland Security hearing. It's uh, it's titled Worldwide Threats, and we're going to have Secretary Mayorkas as one of the uh, the witnesses. Uh, and it's going to be, uh, you know, this is we've we've set across a, a five phase uh, plan in order to uh, put forth to the American people as to why we should uh, be removing Secretary Mayorkas, impeaching him uh, from Homeland Security. I don't think that uh, many of us need those answers in that five phases, but uh, as someone who has spent a career in the NYPD, I, I agree that a methodical investigation is necessary, and today is going to be one of those, uh, one of the high points of that investigation. And, and I've been asked over the last couple of days, you know, you've dealt with Mayorkas one-on-one once before. How are you going to handle it this time? And uh, listen, it, it is, I have the facts in front of me. I know uh, the things that he's done. I know the things that he's, he hasn't done. He's failed uh, the American people. He's failed the people who are trying to come into this country to find the American dream. Uh, and when asked how I'm going to deal with him, I'm going to deal with him just like any other uh, perp that I've sat across with in the interrogation room, and that is ask direct questions. <laughs> I'm going to expect direct answers. And uh, I think it's going to be clear that there's only so long that Mayorkas can sit in that seat and squirm uh, and try to get out of answering real questions. He he has a habit of trying to prolong his answers to run out his time, um, you know, and I'm going to uh, make sure he's treated just like uh, many of those I've sat across from in that interview room. Uh, and, and I'm not going to let him run out the time. I'm, I want the answers. Many of us want the answers. I know that my colleagues across uh 
across this country who sit on the Homeland Security Committee have been prepping for days uh, to have him in front of us. And uh, I hope today is one step closer to uh, to the impeachment of Secretary Mayorkas. I'm all for it, man. Uh, he got to go. So I'm all for his impeachment. I really am. But you know this, Anthony, when we talk, and, uh, talk about, uh, you know, wiping out the enemy, it starts at the very, very top. And uh, Mayorkas has people like Biden running cover for him, people like Harris running cover for him. I got news for you. People here in New York run cover for him. People that you see on a daily basis in New York politics run cover for him. So he should be impeached. Like I said, I wasn't kidding. He should be put in prison for what may happen in this country because of his lax border. But the truth is, he ain't the boss. So you can't can't start and stop with Mayorkas when he works for somebody who runs cover for him, who lies for him. That's Joe Biden. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that uh, that process in, is in place. Obviously, we've seen investigations being conducted by the judiciary and the Ways and Means chairman um, and others. And I know that those those investigations, uh, they're gathering evidence as well. We, we've seen it over the last couple of weeks where there's checks that have been revealed. There's bank statements that have been revealed. So I believe that the, the committees are doing their job, whether it's Jim Jordan, Jamie Comer, uh, and the others, they're, they're putting these invest- investigations together. I mean, there's hundreds of subpoenas going out. They're combing through thousands upon thousands of pages of documents. And I think at the at the end of this investigation, it is going to yield uh, the results, positive results for the American people. And that is holding Joe Biden and holding his entire administration accountable. And like you said, yesterday, they were in walking distance of the, the National Mall. They should have been there. And I will say, when I was standing on the National Mall with County Executive Bruce Blakeman and others from Nassau County and seeing hundreds of thousands of people singing the national anthem of both here in Israel, um, it, it is emotional. And, and, and the fact that they are not there, um, it just it speaks volumes. And, and they could say they were doing anything else. I mean, they've made up every excuse in the book. They, they definitely weren't at our southern border uh, making sure that's secure. So I don't know what else it is that they're doing that was more important yesterday than to rally with the American people and our greatest ally, Israel. Exactly right. And I've been saying that uh, all morning long that, uh, you know, all these uh, Herzog, Israeli president and everybody thanking Biden for his support. His support is nonsense. It's not heartfelt. He has to support Israel if he wants to win again. That's the bottom line. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. And his predecessor, his his coach, the guy he loved, Barack Obama, cares less. And days like yesterday prove that. It proves it. He can say he's for Israel only once. But he had the opportunity yesterday to be there amongst 300,000 people came from all over the country. I had friends from Great Neck who went to this damn thing. And this guy couldn't walk down the block? They spent some time in my office. And and listen, our our minority leader, Hakeem Jeffries, I mean, I don't think he cares either. But at least he had the courage to show up and and, and make pretend he did. Right. By the way, Chris Ray is not being grilled today. Ray is going to tell us. Basically, the FBI director is going to tell all of us. Get ready, folks. We're all going to die. I'm not even kidding. He's about to tell us that they are raising this terror threat to, like, a new level and that the threat now of domestic violence here in the United States from Hamas and other hate groups is real. So that's what you're going to hear from Christopher Ray later on today. Some more good news, if you will. Uh, Anthony, <laughs> you were great as always. Uh, thank you for going to that rally yesterday. And, and you really have become... The guy. You're the guy in Congress. So if this country's ever going to fix itself, 
I'm counting on people like you. So thank you so much. Well, thanks, Sid, and uh, have a great day. Good luck talking with uh, Pete and Bruce. You got it, pal. Bruce Blakeman is, in fact, coming up next. The 8 o'clock hour is all about Nassau County with Bruce Blakeman and Peter King, so we'll take a short break. Noam's got a big update. What is coming up for the First Lady of New Jersey, Bill Murphy's wife, Tammy? What's she going to do next? No lady's going to tell you. Then we'll get to Blakeman and King coming up on Sid and Friends in the morning. Sit in friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Boy, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Firefoyer. I guess uh, the Mets, my New York Mets, formally introduced Carlos Mendoza, who? That's right. Former Yankee bench coach Carlos Mendoza as their new manager yesterday and David Stearns and all that. And horrible choice, but who cares? The manager means nothing anyway. Don't forget Joe Torre when he got hired by the Yankees. The headline of the back of the New York Post read, Clueless Joe, a play on Shoeless Joe. Because Joe had managed in Atlanta, St. Louis, and with the Mets, and was awful. And the Yankee fans are like, why would you hire this bum? Well, then he got a couple of guys named Jeter and Pettit and Williams and Rivera, and the list goes on, and now he's considered one of the greatest managers of all time. Managers in baseball mean nothing, nothing. I don't care if it's Whitey Herzog. I don't care if it's in Baltimore, what was his name, uh, Weaver, Earl Weaver. I don't care if, if, if it's um, Mullins. It doesn't matter who it is. Managers in baseball maybe win eight games. Maybe. Tony La Russa. If you don't have the players, you don't win. You don't win. I'm with you on that. I didn't ask if you were. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bruce Blakeman is a great executive. In fact, now we're blessed on Long Island. Thank God for Long Island. Both executives are Republicans, Eddie Romaine in Suffolk County, and Bruce has already distinguished himself, and I mean this, as a great politician. In fact, I look for Bruce to do bigger and better after this day. So here he is after his appearance yesterday in Washington, D.C., my friend, National County Executive Bruce Blakeman. Bruce, first of all, thank you for being there, you and Anthony D'Esposito and a whole bunch of you guys from Nassau County. And I wish I was there. I couldn't make it. But, man, watching that on TV, that looked beautiful and emotional. Yes? It was a very moving experience, Sid. And, and by the way, thank you for your support for Israel and standing with Israel. Thank you. It shows that you're a real stand-up guy. And thank you. We need more people like you in the media. Thank but you. anyway, um, 
We expected to get probably between 60 and 100,000 people. We got over 300,000 people that showed up. And if you contrast that against these marches that aren't marches, they're, they're basically goon squads uh, by the Palestinian supporters. Uh, yesterday, 300,000 people not ripping down American flags, waving American flags, not stamping on the American flag, but 300,000 people singing the national anthem together. We are talking about peaceful people who are out there to support Israel versus the gangs that are running around, and they're gangs that are running around trying to terrorize people, making anti-Semitic statements, and supporting, supporting a terrorist organization that killed babies and raped women and kidnapped children. It's, it's disgraceful and despicable that there are people like that in this country. Are you Jewish? I am Jewish. Okay, I didn't know. I'm, I'm being completely honest because uh, so many of my non-Jewish friends showed up yesterday, too. But you just spoke with such amazing passion. I said to myself, oh, my God, he must be Jewish. And you are. So uh, not that, again, not that humane people don't care, but that was just a great, great synopsis of what's going on. They are goons. They are gangs. They're animals. That's the bottom line. And, yes, if they thought they were a bunch of tough guys because they showed up 5,000 large in Bay Ridge, multiply that by 60,000, 60,000 to what we had on the streets of D.C. yesterday. Now, we were missing the president and the vice president. They couldn't walk exactly eight minutes to go to this rally. I mean, I don't know how you make an excuse for that. They were right there, Bruce. Well, you know, first of all, I, I do have to say, you, you know that I am not, in any way, shape, or form, a supporter of President Biden. Uh, I think uh, we don't have peace and we don't have prosperity, and those are the two most important things for the American people. Uh, but I will say this. Uh, so far, he's been pretty good on this issue, and he has uh, stood up for Israel. So, you know, you got to give the devil his due. And uh, while I disagree with Biden on a lot of things, uh, I, I think that uh, he has – pleasantly surprised me on this issue and at least up to now he's shown a little backbone not me uh he wants to win and uh you need to support israel if you want to beat trump who is a huge enthusiast for our people in 2024 i cannot i cannot put it behind me that no matter what he says now he was the guy him obama and kerry behind the iran deal he wanted to bring back the iran deal you know that Iran backed these terror attacks. He's only a couple of months away from giving back the Iranians $6 billion. What the hell do I care how many times he says he loves Israel when he has backed, 1,000% backed, the people, the terrorists that made this happen? I just can't find a way to forget that and give him credit. I'm sorry. Well, well Sid, you're, you're absolutely directly on point. It all begins and ends with Iran. And his policies towards Iran have been a disaster. And the fact that he would give them money for hostages only gives them more incentive to take more hostages. So it's a bizarre uh, program that he's that he's uh, started with Iran uh, by allowing them to develop uh, nuclear grade materials right. is a danger to the whole world. So I guess I take back what I just said. <laughs> 
You know what's funny, Bruce, all kidding aside, I've actually convinced a bunch of people to do exactly what you just did because, like, for example, I know President Herzog out there yesterday thanked Biden. I went to a dinner a couple of weeks ago with the Israeli consulate thanked Biden. And I know why, Bruce, because Israel needs the money. They need the weaponry. They need the support. They need America. So they'll stand up there and thank Biden, knowing full well that, to be to be completely honest, he may as well be in those rooms with Hamas because of how much he's enriched Iran. So they have to do it. But if you don't have to do it, I would really think twice about giving Biden credit because, truth be told, if Donald Trump was president, this wouldn't be happening. Now, tell me about um, there was a rally, Bruce. Maybe it took place already or it's coming up, a pro-Palestinian rally. Peter King told me about it. In your neck of the woods, which you run remarkably well, Nassau County, has that happened yet? Uh, there was one about uh, four weeks ago, and there is another one planned, but I don't want to tell anybody when because I don't want to advertise it. Um, look, I-, I will tell you that I am I am very grateful that we have Muslim leaders that are friends of mine here in Nassau County that have not participated in any of these events because they know that Hamas is a terrorist organization and we've come a long way since 9-11 and basically Muslim business people, doctors, uh, educators, uh, they, they want to take part in the American dream and they don't want to be associated. So it's a small group of people, 500 here, 600 there. And by the way, in many times, uh, and I've watched this on TV, in New York City, it's the same people over and over again. Yeah. They don't have jobs. Nope. Maybe this is their job, to be to be in a gang, an anti-Semitic gang. But uh, Well, it's a, it's a well-paying job because a lot of these stupid fat morons are the same people that march with BLM. And a lot of these folks, you talk about a job, they're getting a lot of money from guys like George Soros. He's not the only one, but they're getting paid. They're getting paid. Well, you know what? And again, Sid, you're absolutely right. Uh, these people are paid antagonists. They are anti-American. And, and again, you know, you, you mentioned that I'm Jewish, but this is more than a Jewish thing. This is a war against an organization that wants to destroy America. Because when they say death to Israel, the very next sentence is death to America. That's right. Death to Western civilization. Yep. Death to freedom. And what really kills me is these LBGTQ people out there marching for Palestinians. Morons. There are no rights for homosexuals yep. in, in, in Gaza. Every one There's of those not- people marching would be slaughtered. They'd be slaughtered. They're morons in 15 minutes, and that's uh, part of the problem. Let me ask you about the, the university thing, Bruce, because it's become huge in this country, and specifically I'm in New York City right now, so NYU, Columbia, all these prestigious schools that have become havens for hate. I know, for example, Hofstra, big school, uh, Hempstead, that's in your county. I don't know of any uh, the other schools that are there. I'm sure you got a bunch. How has that been? NYU, Adelphi, Nassau Community College. Well, how has campus life been on Long Island where you guys are red and uh, doing a much better job than we are here? How's campus life been there? Well, campus life here has been very quiet. And uh, we have more conservative students here on Long Island than you'll find in other parts of the country. But I will say that Dr. Susan Poser, the president of Hofstra University, uh, she wrote a letter to the community that I thought was disgraceful, drawing a moral equivalency between 
contested territorial rights in a political environment versus baby killers and rapists. And I told her so. I wrote her a letter and I told her that she was absolutely wrong and that there is no moral equivalency. And I thought it was disgraceful on her part. I'm glad you brought that up. Excellent job by you. Well, listen, I'm, uh, you know, I got to tell you, Bruce, I, I got to know you when you ran. And, you know, I'm funny, of course, with Laura Curran, too. But um, I enjoyed our time together when you ran. And I am so proud to be a friend of yours. I think you're an amazing guy, a great county executive but an amazing guy, and you're always on the right side of things. And there's a reason why Nassau County is a beautiful place to live, because you're in charge. So well, thank you so much for representing uh, me and, and millions of us yesterday, and thank you for coming on the show today. You are a stand-up guy. I love you. Thank you, pal. Well, thank you for your kindness and support. You're a wonderful guy as well, and we appreciate uh, you advocating for America on your radio show. Thank you, Bruce Blakeman. You're the man. There he is, Nassau County Executive Bruce Blakeman. We need more politicians like him. we got Peter King coming up, another great Long Island guy, wrapping up the threesome of the Esposito, Blakeman and King. We're also going to talk to two sports greats. Ready for this? Teddy Atlas and Kenny Albert. Who's kicking ass on a Wednesday? Me. Seventy-seven WABC. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. In the shuffling madness of the locomotive breath, runs the all-time loser. A lot of you already know this, some of you may not, that the great Hall of Fame basketball announcer, my dear, dear, dear friend, Mike Breen, also Bernard, God rest Bernie's soul, his best buddy, Mike Breen of the Knicks and ESPN Basketball. This is his favorite song. For some reason, he loves Ian Anderson and Jethro Tull. And no one seems to know, Lou, why the name of this song is Aqualung. Do you have any idea why that's the case? Yeah, it's pretty easy. What is it? Well, because the name of the song is not Aqualung. Oh, what's the name of it then? A locomotive breath. Oh, that's right. Did they also sing a song, Aqualung? That's right. It's from the record. What was it? Why was that song named that? It's a whole story on the back of the album. Oh, nobody cares about it then. That's right. Well, does anybody else except for Mike Breen love this song? I kind of like it. I do like it a lot. Do you? When I was in high school, this was a long time ago. They could tell me about it. They were in. They, they were, were huge. huge. Jethro Tull, yes. yes. 
Yeah. So Peter King continues to take it in the anus without any lube. Every week, (laughs) Justin Ellick screws that poor bastard every week. He's supposed to be 840 every Wednesday. He ends up at 740, ends up at 645. Now today, forget about pushing him back an hour. Now he's off. That's it. But first of all. That image is not going to be an easy one no. to get. No, yeah, it's been early for that one. Poor, poor Ben Pinkle sitting here. She's like, what did I get myself into? Put the Yeshiva University, nice Jewish lady. But um, I'm sorry. But, but, I mean, but poor Peter. But here's the good news. If you love Peter King like I do, the reason why I did that was because I am going to talk to the lovely Beth Finkel here about a very important thing. And Peter King needs at least 10 to 15 minutes. He can't be a five-minute guest. No. So uh, we're giving them a prime time tomorrow at 8.10, which means your 8 o'clock hour tomorrow is Peter King and Bill O'Reilly. That's a home run. Wow, are you kidding me? Oh, my God. That's uh, what well, I was about to say. Something what he got about to say. <laughs> yeah. That's a double. Uh, anyway, so Peter's going to join us at uh, 10 after 8 tomorrow because he's flexible and great. He never gets mad. No. I think he does get mad. Uh, I think he probably goes back and yells at Rosemary. I, Those I mean, bastards did I, it again. I tell him I'm here to take it. If you, you know, yeah. if he wants to dish out a spanking. Probably uh, punches Melissa's him across the face well, once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't need to turn. We can just go. <laughs> so Peter, yeah, so shoot him. Peter will be on tomorrow yeah. at 8.10. So Beth Finkel is the state director of AARP in New York. So later on today. John and uh, Margot, they do this every year. I, I say a lot of nice things about John and Margot. By the way, I also bitch and complain. Unlike a lot of the suck-ups at this place, all they do is suck-up. I also bitch and complain. So you can't call me a suck-up. But they're wonderful people. That's the bottom line. They are very, very good people. And they care about other people, most which people don't. They act like they do for the tax break, but they don't. John and Margot actually care. And I don't know what's a nicer compliment than that. So today we're going to do what we do every Thanksgiving, and that is go down to St. John's Church by Madison Square Garden. And because of their generosity, John and Margo, hand out hundreds, if not thousands, of free turkeys to people that wouldn't eat without that. I'm going to emcee the event today. I go every year. It's one of my proudest moments of the year. Because I do realize that hunger is a huge problem. So thank you, John and Margot, for recognizing that and doing what we're going to do later on today. And, Beth, I know you work so closely with the hunger issue in this country and around the world. So what they're doing today, John and Margot, and I guess in essence we are, is something that needs to be done, right? Absolutely. Well, good morning. How are you? Good morning, and how are you? I'm good. Have you enjoyed your stay so far here today? I sure have. <laughs> Met a lot of very interesting and very friendly, friendly people. Oh, that's good. I'm glad you're enjoying yourself. I know you're a husband. For for many years, my days with HBO Boxing with my friends, uh, God West Herso, Tracy Bowden, and Sandy Ortiz, I went to every Vegas fight, every big Mike Tyson fight, Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, before he went to Showtime, we had um, Floyd Mayweather. And Shelly Pinkle is a legend in that sport. That's your husband. I didn't know that. For almost 50 years, yes. God bless you. God bless. <laughs> I like your husband very much. Um, and it's great to meet you, too. So tell me exactly what you do for AARP. Well, I'm the director for AARP New York, so we do a lot of public policy, a lot of advocacy, 
both at the federal, state, and local level. You and I were talking about Social Security and the importance of people understanding that they earned their Social Security and it absolutely needs to be there for them when they need it, when they retire. And that's what AARP is absolutely focused on. That's a big deal. A yes, lot of us is. are scared to death that, you know, by the time it comes, it's going to be gone. That, hey, that Social Security will be um, empty and they won't be able to pay us. All these years have taken money out of my check. So the fact that you guys do that, Beth, is a big deal. I'll tell you a funny story. How old do you have to be to uh, become a member? Just 50. 50, okay. So I turned 50. My wife made me this beautiful birthday dinner. It was at uh, Sammy's Romanian, which is now out of business, but you know the place. Great place. And we had a wonderful time. And then she said to me, you know, now you can join AARP. She laughed. And I said, you know what? Because you just joked about that, F you, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And then I've come to realize six years later how stupid that is because you guys actually provide a lot of very important stuff. It's kind of a going joke, you know, that once you hit 50, you're AARP. But the truth is you guys do a lot of really important work, including Social Security, but also, thank God, I don't need this. But you're out there every day trying to feed the hungry, aren't you? Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the issues that we work a lot on is SNAP, or as it used to be known as food stamps. And actually, um, there are 200,000 older New Yorkers in New York State who are eligible to get SNAP, and they have not applied for it. So it'd be great for us to get the word out and let them know because people should not have to struggle to put food on the table. And getting food stamps can make, or SNAP as it's called now, can make a huge difference. So do you think that these people haven't applied because they don't know about it, how to do it, or they're embarrassed? I think it's absolutely a combination. You know, there's a stigma attached, you know, to people getting benefits. But they don't realize it's just what you and I said. You know, you paid your taxes, you worked all your life, and then for one reason or another, you're struggling. And you shouldn't have to struggle because that's what that safety net is there for. November is Family Caregivers Month. That's right. And I know that you guys um, have changed um, many family caregivers' lives in New York. Tell me specifically, Beth Finkel, what that means. Well, you know, all of us, or many of us, majority of us, I think, end up taking care of somebody at some point in their lives, or somebody's going to take care of you when you get older. Yeah. And so I can what- only hope. <laughs> so, well- I'm almost ready now, Beth. <laughs> So, you know, we really need to make sure that those family caregivers are shored up and that they're there to take care of their loved ones. The average family caregiver pays out almost $7,000 out of their own pocket every single year to keep a loved one at home because, again, they're a loved one. But also most people want to live in their own homes as they age in the neighborhoods and communities that they built up. And uh that takes a lot of help. And if they don't get that help from their family caregiver, they're going to end up in a nursing home. And then most beds in New York City for in New York City and New York State are paid by Medicaid. And then we all pay. So it's much better off to help those family caregivers keep somebody at home than to have to end up having Medicaid pay 150000 or so a bed. That, that runs up a lot of Medicaid dollars. A lot of, plus, like you said, I mean, I, I don't know anybody who wouldn't rather be at home. I, I just don't. And, uh, you know, some of the places are nice. Thank God we found uh, my nana, for example, my wife's grandmother, who's basically my mother-in-law, God rest her soul. Um, she's gone now seven years, and we both miss her desperately. 
We found some very nice places in Boca Raton, Florida, but she was always pissed, you know. <laughs> I'd be the one to pick her up and drop her off, and she was never happy. It didn't matter how nice her dining room was or how nice her friends were. People just want to be home. And, you know, you're never really guaranteed about the care either. Again, she was never, thank God, abused and went to nice places in, in Boca Raton. But I've heard horror stories about how some elderly are treated in these places. So um, uh, you're appealing to my senses when you talk about that. Tell me uh, on the way out here, again, we're on our way to St. John's Church this morning after the show to hand out the turkeys, as we do every year. Thanks once again to John and Margo. The food insecurity in New York State, that's a real problem. Above and beyond food stamps, that's a real problem, yes? Absolutely. One out of ten New Yorkers uh, struggles to be able to put food on the table and that uh, what's surprising to me is within the 50 to 59-year-old range, which, uh, again, as you said, thank God it's not you, but um, over two, uh, 200,000 people 50 to 59 are struggling now to put food on the table. So that's not the way we want people to be spending a Thanksgiving. So what you're no. doing here, uh, the radio station and, and all your folks here giving out those turkeys, I mean, that really makes a huge difference in people's lives. But there's more help out there, and they need to seek it out. You know, Beth, on the way out, I'm not going to share the name of the person that just texted me because I'll be mad they asked me not to. And uh, sometimes I don't listen. <laughs> That's part of my problem. But uh, I did have a family member, remain nameless, who inquired about SNAP, and they had a tremendous amount of difficulty getting to them and eventually went into a dead end and never got the assistance that they were looking for. So I need you to be honest with me, because you're promoting that program. Be very honest with me. Is it difficult to get it done? Are there people there every day making sure it gets done? What would be the issue with this particular person? Well, I think it's not this particular person. I think uh, it's well known in New York City that there's a huge backlog of SNAP applications, so it absolutely is a problem. However, uh, the mayor is on it. We we recently met with uh, HR, head of HR. HRA, and they're correcting it. And so people should not be hanging back and not applying for SNAP because they're getting rid of that backlog. Uh, and it, again, <laughs> people need help putting food on the table yeah. or they're making decisions between putting food on the table and buying their medicines or other things. I mean, that should not be in this day and age. My wife, uh, Danielle, you'd love her, Beth, beautiful attorney. She goes to me, uh, you know, she goes in, in Singapore the government subsidizes family caregivers and incentivizes them to live with each other. They pay for all of it. And of course, they're very small compared to the United States. But um, it is a proven fact, according to Danielle, statistically, that people who live with their family members live longer. Well, it's one of the reasons why we are trying to get the governor to do a oh. tax credit for caregivers. Uh, and uh, while we're on the subject, you yeah. mentioned about nursing homes. We've also been advocating that we want more oversight of nursing homes in New York State. Uh, and we want more money to go to long-term care ombudsmen who are people who go in and, and, and look at institutions and see what the problems are. How long have you been trying to get that done? I'm just curious. Because I know it dates back to Andrew Cuomo. He probably didn't help you either, did he? Be well, honest. well, we did. We asked for fifteen million dollars in the budget to beef up that program. I think we got two point five million. Oh my God! Um, and we're hoping in the coming budget that we're going to get more money into it because we really have to all be concerned about the quality of care in nursing homes. If Lee Zeldin would have won, you would have gotten twenty million. I'm just saying. I know you don't want to talk about politics here, but I know who you are. <laughs> 
You would have gotten twenty million. Uh, anyway, what you do every day is God's work. I mean that. You're a lovely lady. I mean, honestly, I'm so happy I got a chance to meet you. And uh, keep doing what you're doing because people really do need your help, and especially now. Uh, this for me, Beth. This is my favorite holiday. I love Thanksgiving. And not, you know, I'm not with a bunch of family members every year. My dad passed away a couple of years ago, and you know, usually lately it's just been the three of us, me, my wife, and my son. But I just love the the symbolism of Thanksgiving, and of course that whole holiday period here in New York that leads right through Hanukkah and uh, and Christmas. So. It's a wonderful time of year, and this is a time of year when we need to help others, right? This Absolutely. is it. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Thanksgiving's always been my favorite holiday, too. But yeah. I have to tell you, I lost two different grandparents, two different years on Thanksgiving Day. So it's Oh, a my little, God. It's I'm a sorry. Little, no, is that right? On the exact day? Two of them. My mother's father and my father's mother, 10 years apart. Uh, on Thanksgiving oh Day. Oh, my God. I know, isn't that crazy? And yet, I still love the holiday. My son was born the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, in nice. fact, he will celebrate his 15th birthday next week, the day after Thanksgiving. Wow. On November 24th, one more, Susan Brown Otto, a uh, politician up in Bethel, where my mom lives, upstate New York, by Monticello and White mm-hmm. Lake. She says, uh, ask Beth about CDPAP. CDPAP. You familiar with that? I'm not. I have no idea. I, I don't want to. Could you? I think I know what it is, but I don't want to misspeak. Okay. Okay. Uh, is she talking about family caregivers getting support? I, it... I believe she is, yes. CDPAP. I believe that's what that is, yes. Uh, again, I'm not sure if, if I'm talking about the right piece there, but uh, basically in New York State, the Medicaid dollars are being used to let family caregivers. So if your daughter or your granddaughter or your son wanted to be paid, to be your caregiver. Yeah. Uh, there was funding for that. They are changing the uh, regulations around it. And so uh, I think that probably is her concern. Well, I got good news issue. for you, Beth. You ready for this? This is going to make your whole day. As if being on the show with me isn't enough, right? That's already using this nice smile. My wife just joined AARP for the moment. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. You did such a great job. <laughs> you did such a great job that we both just joined. And uh, everybody should. This is uh, Beth Finkel, the state director for AARP here in New York. You were wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Stay well. Say a little chili for me. I will. All right. To let family caregivers. So if your daughter or your granddaughter or your son wanted to be paid to be your caregiver. Yeah. Uh, there was funding for that. They are changing the uh, regulations around it. And so uh, I think that probably is her concern. Well, I got good news issue. for you, Beth. You ready for this? This is going to make your whole day. As if being on the show with me isn't enough, right? That's already using this nice smile. My wife just joined AARP for the moment. Uh, thank you. <laughs> All right. You did such a great job. <laughs> you did such a great job that we both just joined. And uh, everybody should. This is uh, Beth Finkel, the state director for AARP here in New York. You were wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Stay well. So little chili for me. I will. All right. We'll uh, take a short break. Big 9 o'clock hour coming up. A lot of fun stuff. His father... I think most would agree the greatest play-by-play guy in the history of sports. And the Rangers have just won the Stanley Cup. Marv Albert, his son Kenny Albert, will join us coming up at 9.15. And then the biggest celebrity event of the year on Staten Island every year around Thanksgiving, Hall of Fame boxing trainer Teddy Atlas 
He's going to join us at 9.30. Kenny Albert, Teddy Atlas, about to come your way. Friends in the morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. We're so sorry if we caused you any pain. We're so sorry, Uncle Albert. But there's no Once again, Lou Rafino proving the genius that he is. That's why I miss had it for 30 years, but Lou's happier now. <laughs> you think? <laughs> I think you are, yeah. The name of this song, when you consider Kenny Albert, is coming up next is Lewis. It's uh, called Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey. Who it's sings a, this? It's a great McCartney song. McCartney. And Wings. Oh, this is Wings. Okay, right. Yeah, it's the right, Wings days. Right. Kenny Albert, Uncle Albert. Well, he had, you know, his uncles were big stars, too. You remember Steve oh, and, Al? and Al? But his father, you know, I won the, uh, tomorrow night is the annual Teddy Atlas Foundation dinner. And I go every year. And Teddy's got a whole um, dais of people, you know, famous people, I guess. I don't know. Phil Sims is there. I love Phil. And Dog Comes, Russo, and a couple of, uh, like, uh, Holyfield and uh, Max Kellerman and Steve. And I, I'm the most famous person there. Teddy knows that. And, but I sit up there with the rest of these guys on the day. And a couple of years ago, we won this Jack Newfield Award, which is given to um, folks that uh, Teddy's committee deems the uh, truth tellers in journalism. Well, I won it uh, last year. The winner of that award, you're not going to believe this, was Marv Albert. And Marv uh, graciously accepted the award, made a great speech. So he won the award, Marv, literally right after me and Bernard won it. Big company, wow. And I'm going there tomorrow night, and now Marv's son is on the phone. This is like that whole six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Or... You're, you're almost there. Well, what is it called? Don't be a dick. Six. six. <laughs> I'll try not to. Yeah. Six degrees of separation. That's what I was trying to say, yes. Yeah. And Teddy Atlas is coming up next. Then you know him. I know everybody. There. Donald Trump is coming up after Thanksgiving. That so. means I know him. Yes, that means well, you know him, yes. Oh. He's a good friend of yours. Great. So the book is A Mic for All Seasons. 
my three decades announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and Olympics. My last book came out in September. I love my book, Citizens United. And I had two great men. I mean this. Two great men who I love dearly who wrote my forwards, John Katsimatidis and Bernie, Bernie McGurk. Kenny Alberts got Wayne Gretzky and Walt Frazier. So I guess he kind of won up me. I don't know. It's close. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, the best in the business and a genuinely good person, my friend Kenny Albert. Good morning, Kenny. Good morning, Sid. I did not purposely one-up you with the forwards. Your book did come out first. Um, <laughs> I've been to the Teddy Atlas uh, Foundation dinner on a couple of occasions. It's a great event. Um, unfortunately, I'm out of town this week, but please say hi to Teddy for me, and congratulations on the award last year. Thank you very much. So of all the things you've done in your life, uh, at least for me, because I make everything about myself, and that is that, you know, to this day, Kenny, I have to say to you and Barbara, your beautiful wife, Barbara, that I'm honored that you named your child Sydney after me. So. <laughs> we did. We did. Different spelling, but we were thinking of you. <laughs> um, we, did used to, we did used to see you at, uh, I think it was called Tasty Delight in Tenafly, the yogurt place. And it was pretty good. I think, you know, we were we were going because of the kids, but yep, yep. Um, it was it was excellent yogurt. And uh, <laughs> despite the different spelling, we were thinking of you back in 2003 when we named her. Well, thank you. And yeah, your kids were little, and my kids now. My daughter's in college. My son's in high school, but they were all little kids. And yeah, you're right. Usually it was like a Sunday night, like after the well, it couldn't have been because you were doing football, so maybe it wasn't. But as far as I know, Kenny, and again, this goes back to what a tremendous talent your dad is. You're the only guy, I believe, right now, the only play-by-play broadcaster in North America that's calling all four major sports. Isn't that right? It, it, it is right as far as currently. There have been so many others, you know, dating back to Marty Clickman and, and Bob Wolf and uh, several other tremendous announcers through the years who have called all four, um, but not necessarily at the same time. And th- there are uh, a, a number of my colleagues who call two and three sports now and do a great job, but uh, very fortunate by virtue of the, the various networks that I work for Fox MSG and TNT uh, that I do all four uh, primarily football and hockey, about 15 Knicks games on MSG and uh, around 10 baseball games a year for Fox as well. Wow. That is unreal. Well, look, there was not going to be a choice for you. You know, I just spoke about your uncles, Alan, Steve, and your legendary father, Marv, so I know that uh, you talk about it in the book, you had this little toy tape recorder, and you'd be doing the games, but there was no way. I mean, between your dad and your uncles, Kenny Albert was going to be a sportscaster. The only, I guess the only question was going to be, would he be as good as the aforementioned legendary men? And to your credit, you certainly are. Well, I appreciate the kind words, Sid, but... It's not like I was ever forced to go into it. I was never told you have to become a sportscaster, but I did receive that tape recorder at a very young age. I set up my bedroom like a radio studio, and I would call games off the television uh, into the tape recorder. When I was old enough, I would start bringing it to various sporting events around New York. And I always joke, and I wrote this in the book, when my uncles would come over on, on holidays and special occasions, I was, you know, eight, ten years old at the time, and I felt like I was listening to the first all-sports radio station. And, you know, judging by what I heard you say prior to 
uh, the start of the interview. I know you're checking out so many other stations. I think you were listening back then um, to that station emanating out of our house. I think I was. And let me tell you, that had to be great because Al, Steve, Marv, you, that had to be some great sports talk radio. What was? I know you've done over 3,000 broadcasts at this point, every major sport, the Olympics. And I do love your style. I mean, I'll be honest, Kenny, you're closer to my age, but you know your father's my favorite. I love Mike Breen. I love Mike Breen, but Breen, he doesn't do hockey or the rest of these sports. Your dad has always been my favorite, and you are just like your father. So there's no way I couldn't love you. But what was uh, the very first game you ever broadcasted? Do you remember? Well, professionally, I filled in on an Islanders uh, Winnipeg game, believe it or not, back in December of 89. I was a senior in college, and I had been helping out on some pre- and post-game shows. Um, but prior to that, when I was in high school on Long Island in Port Washington, I wrote for the school newspaper and the town paper, so I was always around the games and the various sporting events. And uh, a small cable station, Cox Cable, showed up at my school, and they were there to film a girls' basketball game. They had two cameras, and that was it, no announcers. So I volunteered. I was introduced to the producer, and they clipped a mic on me. So I guess the very first game – Officially, uh, that I worked was in 10th grade back in 1984, a girls' basketball game in high school. But And then at NYU, called men's and women's basketball for four years. But the first professional game was an Islanders-Winnipeg game in 1989. You do talk in the book, too, though, uh, before you got to the Isles and the Jets, which is real hockey. Uh, you talked about your 10-hour bus rides with a minor league hockey team, not the Islanders, you also talk about how you work. Get ready for this, folks. Five different sports in 19 hours. How the hell did you do that? I think that was actually 19 days. That would oh, 19 have been days, excuse me. to pull off at 19 <laughs> hours. But that, that did take place. And actually, this week, Sid, tonight, so the next five days, three different sports. I'm in Raleigh, North Carolina uh, for a TNT broadcast tonight, the Flyers and the Hurricanes. Knicks game in Washington on Friday for MSG, and then the Giants and Commanders on Sunday. So wow. this Jeez. this week alone, uh, three different sports. Uh, the 10-hour bus rides, uh, true stories, that was the first full-time job. I was in Baltimore calling minor league hockey, a team called the Baltimore Skipjacks. And our assistant coach was Barry Trotz, who's gone on to win – uh, the third most games in NHL history, won a Stanley Cup with Washington, coached the Islanders. Yeah, I'm still not and, sure to this day why the Islanders fired him. He, the guy was great for the Isles. He hasn't been good since, so I'm still not sure why they fired him. general manager in Nashville, but yeah. one of my favorite stories in the book, and there are a couple, uh, a fake arrest, a prank that he pulled on me uh, back, in, back in the early 90s when we landed in Nova Scotia, and I was questioned for about 20 minutes by the police. It was a practical joke that <laughs> they pulled on somebody every year. Oh, and then the other one, the other favorite story, uh, the book's called The Mike for All Seasons. You can follow it. It has its own Instagram account, uh, which chronicles the travels of the book. Um, but back in 2003, you'll remember the Aaron Boone game, the ALCS Game 7, Yankees-Red Sox. No, I don't, don't remember doing, it, but uh, unfortunately the, the pitcher uh, in that at-bat, Tim Wakefield, died just a couple of weeks ago. Right, right, he did. Such a sad story. But um, I'm doing the post-game interviews. It was one of the rare times when I was not – uh, doing play-by-play, I was hired as the sideline reporter, and I hosted the locker room ceremony, the trophy presentation. Jackie Autry um, interviewed Joe Torre and and a number of other Yankees, and it was about one in the morning when we finished up because the game had gone so long. And I threw it back upstairs to Joe Buck and and the late Tim McCarver, 
and then they went to the late local news. So the, the baseball broadcast was off the air. I see out of the corner of my eye to my left, Mayor Bloomberg standing there, and I could tell uh, he wanted to be interviewed next. Uh-oh. And he had a PR person with him who came up to me and whispered, uh, can you have the mayor on? And I said, well, we're, we're off the air. They already went to the late local news. And he said, can you fake it? <laughs> he didn't want to lose his job. And I, I tell the story in the book. So I, Mayor Bloomberg came up, and I knew that he grew up in Boston, and his mom had been a Red Sox fan. So uh, an interview that actually went nowhere. But uh, no one ever saw it? helped save the job of his PR assistant. Uh, so no one ever saw that interview, ever? No one ever saw the interview except uh, the couple of people who were on that podium with us. That's fantastic. Uh, Bloomberg and Bill de Blasio, both mayors here in New York City and both somehow Boston Red Sox fans. Uh, a couple more minutes here with the great Kenny Albert. Go get the book of Mike for All Seasons. My three decades announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and Olympics with forwards. Uh, pretty good. Wayne Gretzky and Walt Clyde Frazier, who he does Nick games with. You talk about the, uh, the three standout moments, uh, sports in your three-decade career. The uh, women, the hockey team, winning the Olympic gold back in 2018. You talk about Jose Bautista's bat flip. Who could forget that? Toronto in the 2015 ALCS. And, of course, you talk about my favorite sports moment ever. And I love my Giants. I love my Mets. I love my Knicks. But nothing for me comes close to the 1994 New York Rangers. And you did the Stanley Cup final that year, I guess, uh, on radio, if your dad did the TV portion. Uh, of those three... Those are your three favorites, Kenny. you got to pick one. Please tell me it's the Rangers. Well, that certainly has to be at the top of the list. Uh, they hadn't won in 54 years. Now, I wasn't working here yet. That was for NHL radio, so I was very fortunate to call that series. The Rangers and Canucks actually met my wife uh, five days earlier due to a number of circumstances. If the Rangers had won game five, we would not have met. They lost no game kidding. five and went on to win the cup in game seven. You can read about that in the book. Uh, the Bautista home run and bat flip is probably the moment that I get asked about the most um, back in 2015. Um, you mentioned the women's gold medal in Pyeongchang. That was a huge moment. Uh, I was on the call for that one. And then in football, there are so many. And since you mentioned the Giants, and I actually have the Giants game for the next two weeks on Fox, but the, the, the Victor Cruz 99-yard touchdown uh, back in 2011 from Eli Manning, which helped propel the Giants into the playoffs and a Super Bowl victory. Uh, had the call on that one as well. Oh, that's huge. I could see Victor right now doing that salsa dance in the end zone. He was uh, he was terrific. All right, so look, we know, of course, you're an Albert. So right off the bat, Kenny, you and I are tight enough to say this. People are going to think nepotism right off the bat. And that's fine. I don't care how you get the job. The question is, can you do the job? And you're now a legitimate Hall of Famer. But outside of the fact that your last name is Albert, what is your advice, Kenny? For the millions, and I mean millions, of young guys and girls out there right now who are dying to be play-by-play announcers, what is Kenny Albert's advice? Well, one of the chapters sit in the book is, is called, titled Paying It Forward, where I give advice to young broadcasters. And I speak to so many uh, sportscasting camps over the summer um, in the New York and New Jersey area. Now, you used and, to go to uh, my good buddy Jay Fiedler's camp, used to go. Right. Used to go up to Jay and Scott, Camp Brookwood. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bruce Beck has a camp every summer. Uh, Ian Eagle used to be involved with Bruce. Uh, Chris Carino, Jeremy Treatment out of Philadelphia. Uh, the late Ed Ingalls out of Hofstra. I think that was the first one I used to uh, go and speak at about 20 years ago, 25 years ago. But um, a, a couple of pieces of advice. Number one, 
do as much as you can in high school and college, um, even if it's in an area that you're not as interested in. If you want to be on air, get experience behind the scenes. There are so many opportunities out there now. When I was in college, we had a fight with air, with the with the music department for airtime on the NYU radio station to put the <laughs> basketball games on. Right. But now with the internet, you know, you can go do a soccer game or a volleyball match and uh, put it out there on the web. So uh, do as much as you can in, in high school and college. Uh, preparation is the one thing that I learned uh, is the major key in preparing for whether it's a broadcast or a radio show like you're doing um, and read as much as you can. I know the younger generation doesn't necessarily read uh, newspapers. It's all social media, but uh, reading is knowledge. And if you have an upcoming broadcast or a radio show, just uh, do as much reading and preparation as you can, but look for every opportunity in high school and college, whether it's with a, a school radio station, TV station, web publication, et cetera. A lot of the colleges, uh, you know, there's, there's the ACC network, the Big Ten network, where if you go to one of those schools, um, students have the opportunity to broadcast games and work behind the scenes. So uh, look for those opportunities and, and try and do as much as you possibly can uh, at a young age. So I'll wrap it up with this. If you go into my living room right now, I've got this uh, table next to my beautiful couch. Beautiful. And there are three books. I swear to God, Danielle will tell you this, Kenny. There are three books on that table. Sid Rosenberg, Citizens United. It's my damn house, thank you. Bill O'Reilly, Killing the Witches. And Kenny Albert, a mic for all seasons. Believe it or not, you made my living room table. That's some, that's some excellent company. That's a huge honor. I don't think you appreciate it as much. I don't know. I get the feeling you don't really care that much, Kenny. i got to be honest. <laughs> no, that's, that's a huge honor to be in the big three with you and Bill. <laughs> hey, listen, the book is great. You're great. And uh, not only are you a tremendous announcer, but you really are one of the best people. I mean this. I've ever met. And I'm so happy for your three-decade success in this book. And I will compel my listeners to buy it. Good luck with everything, Kenny Albert. Let's do this again very soon. Thank you. Thanks, Sid. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you for yogurt next Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Well, guess what? You're buying. <laughs> you got three games this week. You're buying this time, Kenny. Uh, that's a great Kenny Albert. I love him. we got to take a break. Go buy the book, folks. A Mike for All Seasons. My three decades announcing the NFL, NHL, NBA, MLB, and Olympics. We're going to take a uh, short break. We'll get you your Tunnel to Towers update and the great Hall of Fame boxing trainer, Kenny Atlas. All that is still to come. in the morning 77 wabc come on man let's get right to it i love my next cast in fact i go to a lot of celebrity events every year why because i'm very very famous and people love me handsome and smart and all that you know but my favorite event and i mean this sincerely i'm not just blowing smoke up teddy's ass is teddy atlas's event on staten island it's an amazing event a dais of celebrities fine staten island people and teddy of all the people I know, presidents, entertainers, sports figures, I don't know anybody, and I mean this, who doesn't love Teddy Atlas. So tomorrow night's the big night, Staten Island University Hilton, the Atlas Foundation, 
in memory of his uh, great father, the doctor, Theodore Atlas. Here he is, Hall of Fame boxing trainer, my friend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, good morning, buddy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Sid. I just want to say before, I appreciate you being there um, with everybody. I mean, we're very blessed. We've got a 1,000 people that come, and we can't do it. You know that old saying, it takes a village. It's a collective effort, and we couldn't help as many people as we do if, um, if we didn't get the people to come, we didn't get the celebrities to come, and um, and people like you to put the word out there and 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 do it more than just doing your job. You do it in a passionate way where it's pretty clear that you care about what it is that um, you know that you're pushing and and that you're telling people about, and it comes across. And wow. I just want to tell you, I appreciate it, and we thank you. You know, you're you're a part of the foundation in that way, and in that way, you're a part of the help. And, um, well, that means a lot to me. People. I have to tell you, Teddy, because when I get the call from Sharon every year, I'm, I'm always excited to get it. And I'm going to say this about your event, because I, like I say, I go to a lot of events, and they're all nice in their own respect, but you're the only guy that makes me cry every year. You show these videos of these kids. If you don't know what Teddy does, you know, it's, it's very similar to Make-A-Wish. You know, a lot of young kids out there, and Teddy makes sure that he raises money to help these kids live out their dreams and live normal lives. And you play these videos every year, Teddy, and you speak every year, and I cry every year. I mean that. Well, we have, I mean, that's because you care, obviously. That's because, you know, you're more than just a guy who's good at putting words together. Um, you actually care about the, the things that are attached to those words, and um, that separates you from a lot of people. Thank you. And um, I think that comes across with your success and everything. And as far as what we do, yeah, we, we help the people that fall through the cracks. Yeah, we get them from point A to point B. That's all. We're not God. I wish we were. But we, and I wish we could do more. But we've done it for 27 years. And if it's a, we, we deal with a lot of, you know, low-income families. We go into at-risk schools. And Title One schools. In New York, that's identified as a school that, a family that's making less than 35000 a year. All right, that's poverty. And and quite frankly, I'm not afraid of the elephant in the room. A lot of people are, but I'm not. No fathers. That's the problem. It's one of the biggest problems in our society. I know we have a lot of problems. I get it. But no fathers is a big one. And um, and I could talk about it because we're out there, because we're in those areas. And by we're, the way, you're, you're talking, you're to, and I know your friends, and Stephen A. is up there every year. I love Stephen, Evander Holyfield, all these guys. But if you're going to be real honest about it, you're talking specifically about the black community. Yeah, I mean, look, we're we're talking about the the communities that have needs in these kind of ways, and and we're in the black communities. We're we're in those communities in the projects and where they they need help in these kind of ways. I mean, look, I, we we go we're doing mental health uh, programs where it's costing you know for us it's costing us a lot of money. And one of my board members said to me. About seven months ago, you know, we spend we just spent seventy thousand dollars in like six months in this one area, you know, where obviously I felt the need was, and the need is there, and at risk schools, at risk kids, uh, the neighborhoods, everything. So uh, they, I don't have to explain it. I am, you know, I am in charge of the foundation, but I wanted to explain it. I said, listen. All I can tell you is that three of the kids we're mentoring, we're, this is what we're bringing. We're bringing psychologists, psychiatrists. We're bringing anti-bullying. We're bringing anti-drugs. Um, you know, we're bringing uh, all, all of these people in with, and we bring a van. It's a, it's a mental health van that comes in. It's a mobile van, comes in, 
and it provides help in these areas. Awesome. And we had a 10-year-old kid last year that committed suicide because he was being bullied in these areas. And you know why he was being bullied? He was being bullied because he excelled. I, I know it's, it's, it's insane. Yeah. He excelled. Yeah. He was doing really good in school. And kids were like, oh, yeah, you think you're different than us. You think you're better than us. And it got so bad because of social media. Because you, How do you protect yourself from that? It's coming over the walls like ninjas. How do you protect yourself? It's everywhere. So this poor kid took his life. Ten years oh old. Oh, my God. So, so we, do, we do things for those reasons. But when I was explaining to my board member who said, you know, it's a lot of money in one area. I said, three of the kids, and this is aside from the kid who committed suicide, 11-year-old kids, 12-year-old kids, 10-year-old kids in these areas, in these schools, three of them saw their mothers murdered by their fathers. Oh, my God. And, and then I corrected myself. I said, wait a minute. One of them actually didn't witness it. And it, it was on it was on all the, all the news. Some people are going to remember this when I say it. It was on the local news, Channel 7, Channel 4, Channel 2. He saw it when his father was apprehended, pushing the corpse of his mother around in a shop right cart. I remember That's that. Oh, my God. It. I remember that, so, Teddy. Yes. Yes. So how am I not in those areas, giving some help in those areas? And how am I not saying part of what the problem is? How? How? I would. I, I'd be complicit with the problem if I didn't say something about it. Well, in all fairness, we, in, in all fairness, you're not full of crap and you're not complicit. And we have about two minutes to go. But look, I mean, I remember you training all these great fighters. Let's be honest. I mean, I know you had issues with Mike Tyson early on. Uh, did you guys fix that, by the way, quickly? Are you friends with Tyson now? Yeah, still... yeah. Okay, good, yeah, good, I good, mean, good. Yeah. Because he, he, he came up to me. Yeah, he came up to me during an ESPN show. I didn't know what was going on. I just know my producer. How would you feel? Say, hey, listen, Mike Tyson, I don't want to interrupt you. I'm in the middle of doing the show. I, I don't want to interrupt you, but uh, Mike Tyson's coming up behind you. No, no, you got to stop the show. <laughs> it's Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, and you trained Michael Moore, who won a – a championship. So you've been around a lot of black boxers, and you've seen how some of them have grown up. And Mike, especially Mike, had a brutal uh, childhood. That that give any that didn't give an excuse to to pull a gun. I get all that. Well, you pulled the gun actually because what he did for, to your your niece. But you saw a lot of that firsthand, and you train these men not just to be great fighters, but to to be great men. That's a testament to you. Well, you're not successful really at doing it unless you make them successful as people, a little bit better as people. Otherwise, part of the strength is not in your left hook and your right hand and your great footwork. Part of it is in your character and your being and the, and, the, and the belief of the person you are. That's part of the strength you carry into what whatever your field of work is or your field of play is. That's part of the strength. And without that strength, you ain't going nowhere. You're not in life or in freaking boxing, baseball, football, or anything, or radio. And that's part of your strength. And I appreciate you for it. And I love you for it. Well, I love you, too. Thank you, Teddy. I, I don't deserve any of this coming from you. You're such a, an important guy. And, uh, but I, I'm humbled, and I, and I do appreciate it. And uh, for folks in the last uh, 60 seconds, Teddy, who uh, may not be coming tomorrow night to this wonderful event but want to help out the Theodore Atlas uh, God bless your father, the Theodore Atlas Foundation, things of that nature. How do they do that? 
Dr. Atlas Foundation. You know I'm a caveman. Sid, how you put me in this decision? <laughs> I, I, I am a prehistoric caveman I when it too. comes to technology. I know, me too. You, you go com. some kind of thing you push. You push that thing, and then you you wind up you. on the website, and I then – and then you could do. I, I tell you, I love you. Don't you? Don't even know how much I love you. I swear to God, you're so cute. You go. You hit some button. You go to a website. <laughs> I'm, I'm right with you. Hey, I, I uh, I'm really excited about tomorrow night. You do put on the best event of the year. Your work you is to tremendous. Who we got coming real quick. Some of them. Who we got? At you. We got Tony Dancer, we got Rashad Evans, the UFC uh, Hall of Famer, Larry Holmes, Danny Early, the coach, the best coach of college basketball, uh, coach of the uh, national champion UConn Huskies, uh, Max Kellerman, Brian Kenny, uh, Jason Marquis, remember him, a pitcher? Of course. Tony Malinaji, champion. Uh, uh, who else we got? We got uh, Tracy Morgan, Sal Palatonia, Stephen wow. A. Smith, wow. Bob Papa, uh, I mean, um, it was Sid Rosenberg. Uh, Chris Russo, uh, Kieran Sheehan. Kieran Sheehan, I love every one of these people, and, I, and I'm grateful to every one of them. To me, that's what makes them celebrities, that they take time out of their schedule like you, and they come. That's what makes them a celebrity. That's what makes them powerful. That's what makes them special. And Kieran Sheehan, he's the guy that was the Phantom of the Opera who sang about a thousand of the Phantom of the He, he has a voice. I think you heard him sing. Yeah, I did last year. Yeah, he, he's great. Yeah, he's yeah great. he has a voice yeah, that yeah. I'm telling you, it's it, great. it'll make you cry. Yep. It, it's like, it, it's like, a, it, it's it's where it invokes a saying like, wow, that's a voice from God. Yeah. Like, how else did he get that voice? Yeah, it's true. No, you, and, you're and not exaggerating. He, yeah, he is. He's no, not good. He's, yep. He's going to, he's going to sing, you know, he'll be singing Phantom. He'll be singing a few other songs. Uh, we got Chris Algieri, Iran Barkley. Remember, he knocked out Tommy Hunt. Oh, you kidding um, me? The great fight. I'll never forget that fight. Of course. Yeah. Of course. You know. Now, the, the whole day is, is is tremendous. It's it's. I always say it's the best celebrity event of the year. Nobody does it better than Teddy. So we got to run, but I can't wait to see you tomorrow. This Thank was a great sir. appearance. I love you so much, Teddy Atlas, and I'll see you tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sid. Love you. I Bye. love you, too. That's a Hall of Fame boxing trainer. And just the nicest person God ever created, my friend Teddy Atlas. We done for today. I got to go hand out some turkeys. Thanks to John and Margot Katsimatidis at St. John's by Madison Square Garden. You're all invited. And then I'm going to a Broadway show with Danielle at 2 o'clock this afternoon. I got a busy day. But I'll see you tomorrow morning at 6. From all of us to all of you until then. Peace. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.